sand, stone, body of flesh, no mirage, all very real. Hey! Hey, yeah! There's strays. I'm stuck down here! Do something, please! Pull you out! Hey! What are you doing? What did they do to you? You live in a hell, woman! Held hostage by children! <laughs> Help me! I can take care of you. I want my life back. Give me out of here! Bienvenue à la Buite de Nuit. Welcome to the nightclub. I'm your eclipse-gazing desert dweller, Travis Maxoboon, and tonight I'm joined by... Uga Chaga, Uga Chaga. It's 3-6 Rick, that dirt savage Dewey kid, ready to get you <laughs> grounded for life. Mm-hmm. I'm Trevor, and my favorite color is definitely blue. It's blue. <laughs> I'm choosing blue. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to be covering a film that I'm giving its own sub, 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 sub genre, desert trash punk folk horror. And uh, we have a special, extra special treat. Tonight's movie is The Seating, and it's going to be coming out on VOD and in theaters January 26th this year, 2024. This is, I think this is collectively our first 2024 horror movie watch as the nightclub. Ladies and gentlemen, we have with us the star of the film. You know him from his movies such as What Josiah Saw, Antlers, Jurassic World Dominion, of uh, what that damn Western movie I can't remember the name of because I'm blanking right now, but it's got Stephen Dorff in it and motherfucking Tim Blake Nelson. Ladies and gentlemen, with us tonight, among many other films, we have actor Scott Hayes. Scott Hayes, thank you so much for visiting the nightclub. Man, thank you guys for having me. That movie you're talking about is called Old Henry. Old yes. Henry, that's right. Yes. So we've been having a really cool collaboration going on with the people over at Magnet, Magnolia, Bleaker, like a bunch of different um, production companies. And But it, it, they've been hooking us up and allowing us to talk to folks that actually do the goddamn thing like you. We have uh, some questions about tonight's movie, some questions about your performance and 
just overall general whatever um, in, involving the seeding. The first thing I had wanted to ask you, Scott, is how did you catch wind of this project and what initially drew you to the story? Like, I've got to be a part of this thing. I remember I was up in Northern California. I was at a film festival and my agent called and said, there's a really interesting film that you should consider. Check out the script. I read this. And if you can, the director will zoom with you tomorrow. So I read the script twice that night. And I, first of all, was so surprised that a movie this unique and special was funded and was going. So I was excited to meet the director. And then I met Barnaby Clay. He's the writer visionary behind this film. And I said, this man's got a vision. He's talented. This was his first movie. And I like working with first-time directors. Um, but it, Barnaby didn't feel like a first-time director, which is key. He knew exactly what he wanted. And it was a, after that Zoom, I said, I have to be part of this film. Holy shit. Yeah, I, I saw an interview with him. Uh, he was doing, I don't remember what show it was, but I did see him talking about like what initially got him to, you know, the inspired him when he was out in the desert with his pregnant wife. To, to start writing this idea I, from from the initial seed <laughs> of it to what it's hmm. become it's it, it's i'm sure it's been quite a journey ricky you had a you had a couple of questions for him right here yeah i wanted to know where this thing was shot because that location is beautiful we shot the film in Kanab, utah they oh. called it little hollywood back in the golden era of uh, making westerns john i mean that John Wayne, they shot so many movies out there. So it's just like this little film relic of a town called Kanab, Utah. And there's this one canyon. And when you walked in into that location, you could feel it felt like the spirits of all the ancestors who've ever been on this land were there. It just had an ominous, interesting, palatable feel to actually the location, which I think is awesome, man. Yeah. Spooky. Also, I wanted to know, friend, what your favorite color is. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, you said blue. Um, somebody said blue to start. I I will go with blue. I like not yellow. red. I like yellow. I like silver. But I'm going to go with blue too. Okay. You should, okay. Your character your character should have said red <laughs> or blue rather. <laughs> should have said blue. Yeah. yeah. Should have said blue. <laughs> I didn't want to give that away. I was a really great question, and once people see the film, they will really appreciate that question even more. <laughs> They'll oh, understand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. See it. How long did it take y'all to film this project and what were the conditions like? Cause I know the desert can bounce back and forth between <clears throat> hot as hell and cold as Louisiana is currently. The, we filmed it in October into November two years ago. It was freezing. A lot of those scenes where I'm in shorts, we had to make that feel like summertime, but the weather was actually two degrees and it had just snowed oh, oh. earlier. So it's, it was a very challenging shoot when it came to the environmental conditions we were facing. You're running around in short shorts like that in two-degree weather, man. Well, yeah, and getting doused with uh, – yeah, I mean it was – yeah, it was pretty intense for sure. You were doing – again, this is what I'm saying about doing the damn thing. Jesus, man. T-Rev, you, you – Yeah, okay, it. so – my uh, my first question was, and I noticed in the movie you, you're wearing pretty much the same thing for maybe the first half of the movie, you know. Um, I, and you seem to be pretty physically fit as it is. But did you do anything to change your physical nature for the role in the second half when you're more, let's say, emaciated? <laughs> and because uh, if not, if if that was you the whole time, they did a really good job with wardrobe and just making you look like you were run down, stuck. like. You, you know, look like Gollum running desert, around right? that pit. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. It's, 
<laughs> yeah, you bring up a really interesting question. So normally that when I read the script, I said, this is very interesting. I'm always having to do very dramatic things to become these characters. Like if you take Antlers for an example, when Guillermo del Toro and Scott Cooper called me to make that film, I was in my 200s. I was actually at like 220 at that point. And I ended up shooting that movie at 138. And that was like a four month. That was a four month. I lost 82 pounds. It was like gnarly. Jesus, man. So this movie, I knew knew that there was going to be a part of the film where I'm very thin at the very end. As thin as I can get. So basically, it sounds crazy, but we shot in order. So all the stuff near the end of the film was in the last week. So mm-hmm. I quit I quit eating on my day one. I would have one piece of fish a day that they'd get me from this restaurant in Kanab and I quit eating. So by the end of the film, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the look that came after just basically starving myself. Do you feel like starving yourself really do you feel like that helped you with your role? Because your character is so he he can't be satisfied, he can't be comforted, he can't stop thinking about escape. Do you feel like those literal real world feelings of starvation helped you tap into that 1000% and and it's nice. not something it's not something that i even consciously made the decision of but that i didn't right. i realized it when it was happening i knew right. that i just needed to lose weight rapidly so i had to quit eating and i and if you take salt potassium and magnesium you don't need to eat technically is what i've heard cuz your body can just pull fat off your body but you have to keep your heart healthy so i did everything to keep my heart healthy quit eating and I, as it went on, I was like, you know, this really does lend itself to put me in the mental state, an actual physical condition of being hungry. So right. that's a very, that's very intuitive. That's a great question. Cool, I'm going to, cool. I'm going to bounce off Trevor and Ricky's question. And it, mine's going to involve something like, see, this is when the Oscars don't recognize horror films and they just right. decide to like, you know, whatever. It's like, you don't know what these, these folks are really getting up to out here, what they're, what they're putting themselves through for their art. And and adding to the art form like this movie does. My question was, <laughs> did you actually grow your hair and your beard out? And did you live in that little cage all method actor style? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did. A, I did a lot of that. I did. The only thing I can't take credit for is we just I normally would do that if in an ideal world, if I had eight months to grow my hair out. The uh, there was hair added at the end of the film. I want to give some special props to the makeup department on the seating, whoever was doing the pra- the uh, prosthetics, practical effects, and all that. Yes. Big oh, yeah. time, big time goodness right there. Mm-hmm. Well, we- yeah, Waldo Sanchez was my guy. He's an amazing um, – he's just my partner in all the – I create looks with him. He's, he's great. He's a – you can look him up. He's in the – anyways, but Megan Gorley was my makeup artist, and she went above and beyond working – because there was – every day I had a long process getting ready in certain regards, especially in those scenes, and she was just really – went above and beyond – Everybody did because we didn't have a lot of money to make this movie. So everybody was really putting their blood, sweat, and tears into it. Like you hear, it was like that. Shout out to Waldo Sanchez and Megan Gourley. Shout yes. out big times. Uh, I have a fear of heights, Scott. Mm-hmm. So the one scene in this movie that really messed me up, I'm watching <clears> this. And I, I just wanted to hear your experience making this because – I'm sure y'all might have maybe, I'm assuming, so maybe I'm about to make an ass out of myself, but I'm assuming you had a stunt person. Um, and if not, wow. But if you, I'm sure you, uh, hopefully you had somebody there who was done, unless you're trained in stunts too. I don't even fucking know. I'm about to find out. But the hoisting scene, 
what was that like? Where you're getting hoisted by the kid that's like, what's your favorite color? Like that yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. guy. What was well, it like to film that? I asked to do the whole thing. There was one thing for insurance reasons they wouldn't let me do. Mm-hmm. I think that um, on those like Mission Impossible movies, Tom Cruise is the final say on mo- much of everything. So they, they wouldn't let me pull a Tom Cruise and do everything. <laughs> right. yeah. but there was a moment, there's only one moment, and but my stuntman really, I don't want to give it away, but he really sold that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did everything else on being hoisted up, and I'm afraid of heights too. But at that point in the film, I'd already shot the climbing down the ladder scene in the, in the middle of the night when I enter the canyon. So I'd already right. felt like, you know what, I lived through that. I'll probably live through this. I trusted my, my, my team. And um, yeah, that was that was really intense, and I was really up there. That's for sure. That that is mind blowing because I would have for for a job that I used to do. I, I used to have to get up kind of high, and I, when I say kind of high, I mean twenty thirty feet. That's probably not nearly as high as you were. Uh, that ladder going down and the hoisting scene looks fifty, sixty, seventy. I don't know. To my mind's eye, uh, to to the eye watching the movie, the the microcosm, as your character calls it. It looks uh, the the walls of this pit look high up. Now I did hear the director say that it actually wasn't an enclosed space in real life. So thank God y'all had a, a safe way in and out of there. Because I was wondering that while watching the movie, like how do they get in and out of this place? Mm-hmm. That that would be a feat in and of itself, just for everyone to get in and out every day, every night safely. So um, amazing, amazing right there. Out of phrases without spoiling. Um, one of the ending scenes where they doing the thing with uh, your co-star, the, the woman at the cabin. I guess I can say that. That's not really a spoiler. No. Uh, they put a they put a necklace on her. <laughs> and I saw this necklace, and I happened to pause <laughs> on it. And I'm like, what? what is this necklace of? And at first I thought, like, mushrooms. And then I was like, mm, that might not be mushrooms. <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know what the necklace is? What do you... I mean, Trevor, you know what that necklace was. Okay, okay, yeah, cool. was it? Cool. Okay, all right. You, you don't have to say anymore. I was yeah, like, I, got you. I was like, it all would right. make a hundred percent sense if this is what the necklace is, but I'm not sure. And don't get me wrong, I like the ambiguity of it if you're not really paying attention. But mm-hmm. like, I saw it and I was like, yeah, that's actually really cool if you think about it. Like, just the whole everything that's going on, it makes perfect sense to have mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it so is. cool. Thank you for clarifying that. For and me. we both yeah. missed that on our first watch. So, yeah, yes, really yes. Neat. So we we did a rewatch uh, and took notes the entire time because uh, the first time you kind of want to get a Just you just want to enjoy the movie for what it is. Right. Sure. And then the second the second watch is to kind of, OK, let me ask these questions. Let, let, let's look into things. Let's try to see the little subtle things in the movie so we could appreciate it more. And then, you know, just take our notes. So that was one of my things, obviously. Yeah, I was surprised too. I was at the premiere and um that that's something that I don't think was written into the script and when it happened I just <laughs> like looked around and I was like, Wait, did anybody else catch that guys? So I caught that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Uh, anyone listening to the show, go out and watch the movie The Seating that's going to be premiering video on demand and in theaters January 26th. Watch um, that motherfucker in theaters. And and then I'm I'm going watching theaters. I honestly think it'll be next level in theaters. The sound design alone. Then I want you to come back and listen to the midnight ritual we're gonna do of this movie in a little bit, and you'll hear what that neck. You'll hear us talk about that necklace. (laughs) Oh yeah, that that it's gonna be brought up, cousin. (laughs) Yeah, that that necklace is a ten out of ten. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah. Okay. So 
some say you will not find out your true nature until you're ex- under extreme pressure. So while watching this movie with your character, do you feel like he's a bad person or that he is just an extreme victim of his circumstances? That my character is a bad person? Yes. After oh. everything that goes on, do you do you feel that he's maybe a really just not a great person? You don't have to necessarily say terrible person, just not a great person. Or is the, the circumstances just so terrible that it just drives him to be that way? That's a very interesting question because it never crossed my mind that I was a bad person. I, 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 I hear what Trev is asking, and I know I think I know why. Trev, maybe you could tell me why, but it's there are certain parts where your character who obviously, and I can re- like I can't relate. I've never been trapped in a pit, but I can sympathize that your character is fucking pissed, confused, desperate. Um, and there's certain parts where he lashes out at the woman, and when he finds out she's pregnant. He calls her an inbred, this and that, and um, you know. So there's a few moments where he kind of like, and he talks, he talks about his life outside. Which again, I get all that. I don't want to leave all this. I love doing a podcast. Want my cheeseburger. And, yeah. yeah, I want my fucking cheeseburger with pickles if you're lucky. Um, it, it's like there, there's a lot of things that that I get about it. Um, I so I guess that's Trev. Is that where you're coming from about like? Him yeah, like, yeah, or, kind or, of. Or, I'm, or the second part was a victim of circumstance. And I think that's what. So, that's what... so well, as I'm watching it, as the movie progresses, there's situations in it where like he could have handled things in a better way, but it was more just selfish in nature. And, and, and I get maybe he wasn't trusting of her. Maybe it was just the day that the circumstances. Uh, I think anybody would not be like quite right in their mind if they're stuck in a bowl with some stranger. Right. So I, I kept trying to just give him leeway and just be like, I understand like this, this is a crazy situation, but I mean, he's there for an extremely long time and all she seems to do is try to help him. Right. And he take just keeps, t- tries to take care of him, tries to help him, tries to be friendly with him, feeds him, gives him water, every, all those things. And every time, except for a couple scenes later on in the movie where he just kind of responds to it with, either negativity or being mean or things along those lines that make me wonder like, man, I, like I, I didn't really like him at first, you know, very much because of those things. Right. Cause like, I don't know if the movie's trying to get me to sympathize with him, but honestly, I wasn't very sympathetic for him at all. Right. Trevor, Trevor wants to be married to a pit, witch, is what he's saying. <laughs> hey man, there's worse fates. I'm just saying there's worse fates. Yeah. Well, to answer your question, you're talking about the inbred line. If you, if you, when you look at that scene, the scene starts with me with a smile on my face for the first time. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I have a smile on my face. Pretty much, I'm talking about mother. I'm trying to make conversation, and then I find out she's pregnant. And due to the nature of how she became pregnant, I was clearly, in my opinion, taken advantage of in a, in a drunken state. Mm-hmm. So there's a switch immediately that happens there. The second time I start to feel okay after being in there a long time is a dinner we're having where life is good and I'm showing her that. And at that point, I've kind of eased into the acceptance that this might be my life. And even in that scene, I'm looking at her in a different way. But immediately following that scene is I don't want to spoil anything else, but there's an an insane tragedy that happens in the next scene. Yeah. So I see what you're saying, and the question is, is, and I'm, I'll just speak very transparently about, I guess, the process of t- storytelling is, 
you can go into a role and say, how do I make my character really likable and sympathetic? And a lot of people do do that. I think that Barnaby and I wanted to just keep it really honest about a man who definitely doesn't want to be down in this situation. And mm-hmm. as nice as you might have thought that lady was, I, I thought it was kind of creepy. And I felt like there was definitely something going on there. And I just think it's the way Barnaby and I just wanted me to come across as, as stones mm-hmm. is, you know, this person who is frustrated every turn that he's stuck down here. I don't know about you, but if I was out going to look at a solar eclipse and I ended up in some box canyon where this woman was like, oh, the ladder will be back tomorrow. And then the ladder's not there tomorrow. And there's many days that go by where I say, hey, when's that ladder going to come down? I need to get out of here. The ladder is still not there. I'm eating right. what looks like rat meat. I know, that, I know every... that the typical trope is, how do you make your character more sympathetic and likable? I was really just going for listening to my director's direction. Of, Let's keep it as honest in the reality as possible. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah and, cool. and, and also, another thing I've really noticed on the second watch is how every single question that you ask, she blatantly ignores. Ignores the <laughs> fuck out of you. See, yeah. I want to... I want to give I want to give Wyndham some credit because yeah if, if I would have been in that pit I probably would have lost my shit a lot sooner because I'd I'd have lost my shit when she wasn't answering me while she's trying to shift that goddamn tin on top of the roof I'd have been like lady what is happening down here today like what are we doing I got to go <laughs> <laughs> You you scaling the wall with a my hammer. rice cooker's on like <laughs> I, I gotta go I gotta go yeah. I would like to open this up a little bit, or at least I want to point something out to you that I noticed when I first watched this movie. This movie starts out, and you have the scene where your character's Wyndham is driving down the road, and you get the title card, the seating. And I noticed that the road he's driving down looks like a sperm cell. And I can't help but ask if that's intentional or not. And if it's not, then holy shit, y'all did a great job throwing something in that was not. It's good you caught that. That's one thought. That's what I loved about Barnaby and the way he approached the, he's really an artist and that was completely intentional. And he scouted forever just to find that one road that does look like a sperm. We called it sperm road. (laughs) And I think it's just, that is just the touches of why Barnaby is a special talent. And when it comes to especially this genre, and I'm excited to see what he's going to continue to do because what you just described is, I think, what sets him apart is he he had that visual in his mind. He found that road, and it's the movie called The Seating, and the film opens with a road that looks like a sperm. But it's not in-your-face storytelling. It's the people that can step back and see the film through all the veils into which you just described. Some people may not catch that. That's okay. But Barnaby, 1,000%, everything is intentional in that film from Barnaby's mind. I think we all try like and I know we cut up and we're making jokes and laughing and stuff, but we do take movies seriously here. We're all we're all cinephiles um, and we watch a lot of film, a lot of horror film, especially this past year. I've watched almost 75, 2023 horror movies. Um, It's just a love of the genre and a love of filmmaking. And I try to see those visual aspects in movies and this movie and we'll talk about it more in our midnight ritual, but. This movie has 
detail in the cinematography and in the way things are shot that are very next level like like horror hits last year like megan or whatever or not they don't have this level of focusing in on a certain aspect to tell the story like you said through the veil i like that term that was cool you're looking like through the veil of what the movie is and looking further into just what's being shown to you on screen we like cosmic shit here on this podcast this movie gets cosmic in a lot of different ways, visually, and I would say thematically to an extent. Um, the idea of freedom is brought up in this movie, the thought of freedom. And we we alluded to it earlier when we joked about a cheeseburger, which is written into the script. So that's cool that it was like – it's a deep, heavy thought that's boiled down to a cheeseburger. I love that. It's something about that that's – it's fucking dope as shit, man. And I can only imagine you as a, as a, as an actor, as an artist – reading this and being like ah mm, this is a tasty cheeseburger with all the layers on like the tomato the <laughs> lettuce all that good shit and you're taking a big bite of this and just like i can't wait to dive into this movie and what y'all made is fucking amazing I, I i don't i'm just gushing about it at this point this is why we're gonna do our breakdown afterwards because it's this movie's worth talking about and dissecting so we will do that and warn people away if they haven't seen it so everyone can go uh. watch the movie yeah, and while while we're gushing, let, let's go ahead and gush on you about him. Uh, about yeah. you. No. Um, your acting was phenomenal. I mean, all the acting in this movie was good, but you specifically had a wide, wide range of emotions and situations, and you sold them all. Like I just, we're we're not just tooting your horn because you're here. No. Like I'm I'm being a hundred percent just real with you, right? Your yeah. acting was phenomenal, man. From it was when, amazing. From when you're frustrated with Baby Dewey in the desert that spills all your water, mm-hmm. and t- to where you're little de- dirt savage Dewey, yeah, that motherfucker was trying to get you grounded, man. To where you're desperate, yeah. to where you're you're mad, to where you're weeping, to where you like you said earlier, and that's a commentary in a way being taken advantage of while drunk. Yeah. Uh, to to when you're raging and you're fucking, you go mad. You eventually go mad. Like you went through the gamut and based on your other films, I haven't seen everything you've done, but I've seen you in other movies. You're super versatile. Like, yeah, we're, we, we are, we are tooting your horn and you wouldn't have to be here for it to happen. If we watched this movie and talked about it on our own, it'd be like, this guy right here is a motherfucker. Dude, well, it, I, I think that I appreciate y'all saying that. Yeah. I think that the reason why is I, you know, early in my twenties, I couldn't get a job to save my life. And I had to build my own theater and write plays and write plays and plays and plays and just continue to tell stories in any way I could until I got an opportunity. And I was fortunate enough to get the film Child of God. And that was a film that changed my life. And whether it's this film or Child of God or when Guillermo calls me for Antlers or doing these things with Kevin Costner right now called Horizon, there's these movies we're making, it's... I just come from a place of I'm so grateful because I remember the days when I was waiting tables and I couldn't get a job. And if it's cold and I'm supposed to be in a T-shirt, I a lot of actors will come out here and say, oh, it's hard. It's hard. When I turn on the news and I see what's going on in the world and I, I go in Los Angeles or New York or these cities where it's just there's all this homeless encampments. I'm just so grateful that every day. I get to just tell stories for a living that I don't care how, if I have to lose 82 pounds, let's go. Like I'm ready for it. And, and I just always looked up to some of the, my favorite people who gave everything to their craft, like Kobe Bryant. That, and when it comes, he was like, he gave everything to a mission. 
And um, when the seating came in, I knew it would be that. I know it was going to be really, really challenging and hard. And there wasn't, like you said, Trevor, there aren't a lot of scenes that were written light. And I, it was more heavy the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never, I never lost sight of the gratitude. Hell yeah. Do you see that right there, everybody? Go for when opportunity knocks. <laughs> that's that's what you yeah. gotta you gotta open that door when it knocks, man. I wish I could talk to you about Sound of Freedom. Um, I haven't seen it yet though, but I want to. I really, really you want to. Ask, I like you know. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. No, that's that's an amazing movie. I I'm, I'm so grateful to be part of that. Yeah, I think that movie is. Um, I don't. I again, I haven't seen it, but I know. I think I know what the what the. Yeah. I want to see you can you can ask me what do you what do you what about Sound of Freedom the no I, well I haven't seen it so I don't think I have the I liked leg, it you saw it mm-hmm. I didn't get to see it um so I don't have a leg to stand on to to ask a real question about it other than what I what of what I know of it the message and just the wanting to save the kids from the things the the in my opinion the most horrible thing humanity does. Is is right. human human tra- trafficking, especially children? That is to me the worst thing about our species that that we're capable of that I've that I've seen. Um, so anyone who's going to shine a spotlight on that terrible thing and try to make an awareness of it, mm-hmm. I'm one thousand percent behind that. Uh, I just yeah. didn't get a chance to see the movie yet. That's 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 and and so I don't I don't have an actual question more so a compliment to anyone involved in a project like that. I know that in the United States it was very controversial. It became political for whatever fucking reason. Um, I don't I don't understand why protecting children is a political issue to me. That shouldn't right. even be political. So um, I agree. I agree completely. That's why my friend, you know, I, I make a lot of documentaries um, when I'm not acting. And I made a movie called Molly, which is about a man who's changing the world in Kenya. And um, my friend was writing a screenplay with this, his buddy in the room, and it was Sound of Freedom. And I told him, I said, if this movie happens, I'm in in whatever regard, because we have to shine a light on just the darkness in the world. And it's a real thing that's happening. And I have no, I have my own theories on why it got politicized and that whole thing kind of took off but at the end of the day it's about saving children and and that's really happening and it's real and it's scary and i know that i'm not a dad yet but i hope to one day be a dad and i would i can't imagine if you turn your eyes away from your child for one second and the child is then sold numerous times across the world for sex it is the darkest evil and it just makes me sick to my stomach and anybody who talks trash about that film is neglecting to look at what it was really about. And it's Mm -hmm. about, we have to, we have to do something to help protect our children. Agreed. We're all, we're all, we're all three parents. And um, yeah, yeah, that I, I, I I can't imagine it. Like you said, a darker thing than like, Oh, my kid was here and it's gone. Yeah. It habitually scares me. It really does. It's the idea. Like there are panic attacks if I can't find my kid in like two seconds sometimes, mm-hmm. and both of them are older, but still, you know. Yeah, as a so, parent, that movie just broke my fucking heart, man. Yeah, it's just I appreciate y'all saying that. You know, sometimes movies are just to entertain, and sometimes movies can actually carry a message that can cause change in our society. And I'll tell you this much: we did raise awareness. Oh yeah, we let people know this is really happening. 
You know, it doesn't seem real until it happens to one of your friend's kids or you hear about it. But when it hits home, you start to realize how sick some of these people are in the world and how we have to remain vigilant and protect our kids. It's, it's a very mm-hmm. sad, sad thing. We have to even talk like this, you know? Yeah, it shouldn't be this way, like especially with, a, with an issue that big. Um, and my, like I want to give us I want to give a personal shout out to Ashton Kutcher, who I know was like doing this kind of work like in, in a similar vein a long time ago mm-hmm. um, where he was standing up and talking about this stuff. And uh, I don't know if that's what slowed his acting career down to a degree. Um, I could see it. I could see it if, if all things are to be true. But uh, anyway, I want to I want to s- skate away from that a little bit. Um, Scott, you've done a, a lot of horror films, several horror films. And I'd like to ask you what well, you, you must be a fan of horror movies, right? Mm-hmm. So I love horror movies. Yeah. What nice. is what is your history with horror? Like, what's the first thing <clears throat> you saw as a as a kid that like scared the bejesus out of you? And was like, oh my god, horror movies! This is the thing. This is dope. It's really weird. That's a great question. I, I'll, I'll answer it pretty quickly because I've thought about this a lot, actually, and why I started to fall in love with the genre. The film that scared me the most that I saw before the age of, tw- I don't know, it was like in my, I was under ten, was Jaws, and that movie just made me scared of the water. It's something that took a real life app like situation that we could all relate to. Then I remember being, I think I was really young. I think I was like eight or nine. And for some reason, I got to see the movie JFK. This is going to sound like a crazy thing to answer this question for. But I went to the book depository. My mom, I was a Boy Scouts trip as a young boy. And I went in there after watching the film. Then I went to the book depository. I knew that there was another killer out there. I didn't leave my bathroom for two weeks. Like it, uh-huh. my mom, I just knew that something was wrong as a child. And then I grew up in Dallas and we used to always take trips down to Austin to try to like, you know, we would, we were in high school and we were dating these girls and we'd go down and try to find the house where they shot the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at. So that movie is the movie that I would always play. And then, and then I just love the genre. You know, there's this movie I always used to put on if somebody said, let's watch a movie and it's called Freaks. It's from night. You, you for sure. Yep. Know Freaks, yeah. Y'all. One of yes. us. One yeah. of us. Yeah. <laughs> there's all these movies that horror was always such an entertaining space to watch, play, talk about, you know, there's, we can all be, imagine ourselves in these circumstances. But if you had, if I had to pick one film being from Texas, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is why I fell in love with horror. Nice. That is. That is definitely a, a great answer to that, and that's Texas Chainsaw. It's my number two favorite horror movie of all time. Number yeah, two. What's number one? The Evil Dead. That 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 it's it's um and but for the same reason as Texas Chainsaw, they're both young uh, startups that are just putting all of their imagination to work on on film, like it, it with no money, with nothing. The Robert Rodriguez wrote about this in his book. You know, he had a turtle, a guitar case. Let's make a movie. Yep. You know, I love that kind of ingenuity. And, and that's, that's, I think the horror genre is, is one of the genres that allows creativity to blossom. So, and that's why we, I think that's why we're attracted to it here, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What's some of the, the more modern horror movies you're watching that you're attracted to that you like? you think about and maybe they they've touched you or or scared you even 
You know, uh, this is a weird film to probably talk about to answer that question, but I went back and I watched this movie, World War Z. Do you remember this film? Yeah. And I got to tell you, I know it's not for everybody, but I loved it. And I thought Brad did such a good job at playing. The, play, Brad's company put that film together. And um, what I liked about move, that movie specifically was in a weird way after COVID, we can all relate to something spreading across the, the globe and affecting us all. Or, you know, this, these situations we all might collectively endure. And that movie was big in scale. It was beautifully shot and it kept me on the edge of my seat the whole time. And I, and I was scared. It's not a class slasher horror movie, but I like the production value of, of movies and not a lot of movies. And I know that's more thriller. Probably I don't know how you guys would classify World War Z. But horror. horror, horror. We we even I classify mean, horror adjacent movies as horror yeah. on this podcast. We yeah. just lump it all together, man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then, yeah, that movie had scale. It was shot beautifully. I could relate. The things that seemed sort of cliche, they found a way to get into them in an honest, organic way, where you didn't feel like, well, of course, Brad Pitt's going to be the one to go save this. You know what I mean? It felt like. You're in for this ride, and it, the scale and, and the way it was shot. I just really appreciated that film. And to be honest, I think the horror genre. You know, I was talking to Barnaby about this, and I think that Barnaby is one of the directors we need. I think that the horror genre, in my opinion, needs a new, fresh blood of imagination filtered into it. Um, and I think the reason why I was so drawn to this film is exactly to answer that question: is that I think the the genre can use filmmakers like Barnaby Clay and, you know, cause even you bring up that necklace, Trevor, it's, it's, it's him. It's his wild imagination pushing the boundaries of how, what have we not seen before? What could this happen? And, and he justified it in the, in the world and the environment and he was bold and he made that necklace for us horror fans who see that and catch that. And then ask mm -hmm. the question to the actor. It's like all of it's, it's the beauty of storytelling and some of the new horror is just to make a dollar and some of it has like an artistic process into every shot, every frame. And those are the mm -hmm. directors I really appreciate. Yeah. And he that. really showed out. He really showed out with the oh, scene. Yeah. Not, not just the road, not just the necklace. Like there's one where it cuts to like a blood scene, right? Like it's kind of blood scene behind maybe the sun or something like that. And that made me think of like, oh, maybe those are like multiplying cells, right? For the mm -hmm. pregnancy, because then later on, you also see a scene where it's like kind of like a, a white, weird backdrop. It almost looks cosmic because it looks like a universe. I'm like, what if that's like sperm in the uterus see, Trevor, trying make, to climb, right? We make we make movies for you, Trevor. Like you're the you're an amazing audience member because those are the things we think about. Those are the things Barney and I talked about that. He's like, hey, Scott, check this out. I'm thinking this. We hope and pray that the audiences are as astute. Um, intuitive and attentive as you are, Trevor. So thank you for catching all that stuff. Well, <laughs> Travis and Ricky too. They caught some of it too. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, I we met all you guys. Was no, let's just Trevor, all blow yeah. Trevor. Yeah. Trevor, Trevor, take, take, take this moment. Scott, Scott Hayes is, is fucking giving you props, cousin. I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate the props, but I appreciate the movie and the artistic style yeah. and how it all came together like that. Cause yeah. When, when I have to, you know, and this, that's why we do our second watch for notes is because that was one of the things I picked up on, on a second watch was like, what if this is this and this is that and it all makes sense. Oh my God. Like, you know, it kind of hits you, it mm -hmm. kind of hits you in the heart and the soul a little bit. And you're just like, damn. 
and like this is technically all of our first 2024 movie. So we do an end of the year list where we we rank our yearly horror movies that come out. And I'm like, if 2024 is starting out like this, I think we have a a good year ahead of us. I think oh we've got God. a banger. So yeah. Um, you know, it, I know uh, we're gonna we're gonna deep dive this movie later. We're gonna give our ratings, but I'm just gonna go ahead and let you know it's a 10 out of 10 for me. I don't mind giving <laughs> giving it up now. It's a 10, bro. It's, That's it's amazing. I'm so grateful y'all had that experience. I mean, there wasn't a harder shoot for me. I've been through, I've, even Child of God, like this was, this was the hardest one. So it just means the world that you guys are saying that. Just thank you. No, thank you, Scott. Thank you very much for being here on the nightclub. Thank you for sharing the stories, the experiences. Um, I want everyone to go check out the seating on VOD and in theaters January 26th. When this episode is out, the movie will be out. So I want everyone to go scope it out. Find this movie, watch this movie, support this movie, support Barnaby Clay. Um, Bar- Bar- and- Barnaby did the damn thing on his first film, Paul. Fuck Shit. yeah, dude. Yeah. And, and I'm yeah. going to be watching out for some more too. For sure. So yeah, I wanted to y'all, see y'all, 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 send, y'all send us some more Barnaby movies. Got my <laughs> attention <laughs> with that fella. And That's thank awesome, you, guys. Thank you, Scott. Mr. Scott Hayes, everybody, coming in here, doing the goddamn thing in the seating, and go check out his whole filmography. Very versatile actor. Like I said earlier, you're a motherfucker, bro. You doing it? I'll be putting Child of God on my watch list, bud. Oh, you'll, Child of God's an experience, man. Um, first of all, just thank you guys for having me. It means a lot. Check in. anybody who can have conversations like this about film. I just feel grateful I'm in this one. That's it. Just gratitude. So thank you guys for having me. It means a lot. All right. Well, that was Scott Hayes, everybody. Um, holy shit balls. Awesome sauce. So what we're going to do now is like we've been promising, we're going to do the midnight ritual of the seating. If you have not seen tonight's film, what you're going to want to do is not go into the desert to see a, a, a fucking solar eclipse. What you're going to want to do is not follow Dirk Savage Dewey because he's just trying to get you grounded. And he's just going to call you names that are inappropriate for the year 2024. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, so so what you're going to want to do is let the nightclub be your king and your queen. And you have to be the nightclub slave. And you have to Ooh. give yourself to the nightclub. Heart and soul and molecules to the nightclub Ooh. and all the nightclub's children. Because at the end of the day, you don't have a choice. <laughs> ooga chugga, ooga chugga, ooga chugga. Google gobble, Google gobble. One of us, one, one of us. us. <laughs> With that being Scott said, Hayes. if you have not seen tonight's movie, The Seating, cry off the podcast now. And let the ritual begin. Oh, you bastards. Why are you torturing me like this? Why? <laughs> The Seating is a 2024 desert trash punk folk horror film (laughs) 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 written and directed by Barnaby Clay starring 
Scott Hayes as Wyndham Stone and Caitlin Shell as Alina or Alana. Alina, I think I want to say. Um, there are two main players in this movie, and we have a whole other cast of characters, mostly made up of uh, young boys, young men. Um, I don't know the ages of all these folks, but they're in the movie Silly too. Silly little fellas. Yeah, basically a bunch of fucking, um, what's that Peanuts gang member that runs around in a cloud of dust? Uh, I don't remember his name. Pigpen. A bunch of pigpens are running around this yeah, bitch. Yeah, pigpen. Yeah. We've got a lot of desert pigpens running around here. Uh, we just talked to Scott about this movie and I don't, I didn't bother pulling up production or trivia because I figured we would have gotten enough with Scott and I think we did. I think we did a pretty good job with Scott I right there. I think we did a good job. Yep. Scott did a good job. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. You did a good thing, Scott Hayes. You did a real good thing. Yeah. So we're just going to say fuck it. We're going to skip all the fucking fanciful bullshit. And we're going to dive right into this movie with little to no foreskin or forewarning. Okay? Oh. Roll, roll the skin back and insert. Here we go, y'all. This movie opens with a dirty desert baby munching down on a finger. <laughs> 10 out of 10 <laughs> opening already. That's, uh, dude, yes, yes. The moment I saw this opening scene, I was like, oh, this movie's a 10? Oh, mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. I didn't realize that. And the baby says mama, too. Does so it? So just, it does, yeah. Or at least, I mean, there's mama in the dialogue somewhere because I heard it. That baby is dirty. That's a dirty and child. And it, and, it, and it's just wandering around the desert, too. Like, it's just wandering, eating, like, ain't got nothing but a diaper on, eating a finger, saying mama, walking around in the desert. With shots of, like, cacti, various cacti. Yeah. He- heading to the scene of that waters, probably. <laughs> yeah. there's, some, there's some donkeys watching off in the distance and some naked guy running around swinging a machete or a hatchet. Yeah, no, well, this, this is, this is an entirely different, uh, movie than the outwaters uh, this oh is yeah for sure more it's i still i'd say this movie is still artsy it's got artsy uh stuff in it but like ricky keeps saying grounded as well definitely grounded in reality and we get our opening title card that reminded me of there will be blood with the font yeah it's got that sort of i don't know if you want to call it old english font but that's like what it brought to my mind as someone who's not a font expert. I don't be fonting. You don't be fonting, bro. No. Mm-mm. The the nightclub font title card is going to be Comic Sans, bro. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't know what that means. I don't even know. Or just the credits. We'll put all the credits in Comic Sans for you. Okay. I'm going to hand draw all the credits. <laughs> 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 Probably for real. Um. Our title card is over an interesting scene that that we mentioned earlier, and I love Scott called it Sperm Road. 
you have you have his character Wyndham driving down the tadpole of life. It's it's like a it's like a road that's shaped like a sperm cell, and uh, I, I find that really fitting for where this movie starts and where it ends up, and the entire the biggest overall overarching storyline of what this movie is. I, I think that's the clever. circle of life, and it moves us all. Um, yeah, immediately following this, you get some ants tearing up some fried chicken. Hell L- yeah, love that Great scene. Loved it. The pan in on the, on the fucking bone and the ants. It's like you get the you get the visceral, true nature of life itself right there in that one shot, and then you back up and it's consumerism. Your boy bought that clearly from like the Walmart hot box, and he he just brought it into the desert, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm just eating my chicken, waiting for that fucking moon to show up." Yeah, uh, boy. He, he's sitting there waiting for the eclipse. Those ants are fucking waiting for the eclipse too, cousin. Those ant, those ants are cosmic, and I think all ants are probably pretty cosmic. Yeah, superbly shot cosmic event unfolds in front of our eyes. Seriously, beautifully shot. I don't know how they rendered this, if they did it digitally, whatever they did, but this this solar eclipse is uh, one of the best I've ever seen in a movie, and it really, along with the sound design and the score gives us an ominous feeling about this movie at least that's what i picked up right here i was like what is about to happen i didn't know the movie was going to start off so cosmic i i think man i feel like they might have used real footage of somebody videoing an eclipse because that shit looked real so yeah he he's sitting there and you get that cool scene of the eclipse and the sun and then he's heading back to his car but wait stranger danger bruh <laughs> except, oh, stranger except danger. He, he, com- he comes across a little kid sitting there crying. Now, look, I just want to preface this by saying he's on the only semen road around, mm-hmm. the only car around, in the middle of the fucking desert, and he comes across a kid in the middle of the desert crying. Stranger danger, bro. I don't trust this kid. Fuck that kid. Fuck that oh, you kid. in trouble? You in trouble? Look, my car is this way. Let's go to my car. Oh, your parents in trouble? Well, look, let's get the police. Let them handle this shit. Oh, I, ain't yeah. got first, I, I ain't got a first aid kit. What am I going to do? When the and kid he starts- stands up and the kid looks kind of like Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. yeah. And you already know he's just trying to fuck with you. He's trying to get you grounded, boy. Around, yeah. the, around the corner in this desert is Walter White holding that gun, being like, yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he's just Brian Cranston's out there cooking methamphetamines. Mm-hmm. And this speeding. is what happened to all of all of uh, Malcolm's brothers and sisters after <laughs> Brian Cranston died. They all just went into desert and just started catching people. <laughs> too too much of the blue stuff, bro. Yeah, the blue. This yeah. is this is Walking Dead. If the blue stuff took over, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they have uh, they're traveling through the desert to get to this kid's fucking parents or whatever, and they have some really really cool cinematographic uh, shots. Of like the sun through some some desert bushes and and like this is where you're starting to to see the artistic style of the movie. Yeah, uh, I mean you you call it some of it with shot. the sun from, and the clips, but yeah, but it's I mean it's the bone, the ants, everything is just shot so well. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. I imagine, I imagine Barnaby. Who was Clay behind the a- camera? Shout out to you, Mister Camera Person. I don't know the cinematographer, but. If since it's Barnaby's first feature, I'm sure he had a lot of input on what how he wanted things to look. 
Mm-hmm. And I imagine he had a background in photography or just some sort of visual style. That kid ends up asking him for a soda, and he's like, I ain't got a soda, I got water. Wyndham tells him, and he's like, he gives him the water, and my boy, like, Frodo fucking just... Spills it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gets yeah. rid of it, basically. Like... Yeah, my, my, my note on this was, that little shit emptied my water. What a hoe. He a hoe. He a hoe for show up. Yeah, uh, and I, he I told him, he was like, he was like, man, that's gotta last. Like, save it, it's gotta last, you know? But nah, bro, that kid took that water bottle. Didn't give a fuck. Didn't give a fuck. And then... Like Ricky says, he calls him an F slur. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, well, I think he, like, goes to stop the kid to talk to him or something like that. And, yeah, he's like, and don't the, touch me. Yeah, the look, he's like, don't touch me, you effity fuck. Mm-hmm. And effity is is not fuck. And um, <laughs> and then smiled at and then basically, like, smiled at him while, like, right after he did it. And I'm like, man, fuck that kid. It's time to beat I'm going some back kids. to the car. Beat, I'm beat going back some to the yeah. kids. Yeah. Random kid, look, random kids in the desert. If you act like this, I'm taking off my belt and I'm <laughs> whipping the fucking shit out of you. Yeah, I don't care where them. your parents at. Or right. just call. It's time to leave them and call the goddamn cops. Yeah, just for saying. sure. Yeah, after yeah, I the beat their ass. Yeah, if, if I'm dealing with that, if I'm dealing with that <laughs> I'm kid, them kids, and then I'm gonna call the cops for their parents. I'm, I'm now Judge Dredd. I am the law, bitch. I am the law. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to sentence you right here and carry out the execution with my belts. So, when Wyndham comes across this cabin in a pit while he's searching for the kid, and it's at night at this point, so he he's out there in the desert and it's cold as fuck, and he, he does something unspeakable to Travis. He climbs down a little chain-link ladder down into this pit because he sees a woman down there singing a song to herself. Yeah, I think he hears the singing before, like the singing before he gets there, right? Yeah. He thinks, yeah. "Oh, so this she, is a good she, idea. I should climb so, down there." Yeah, she kind of lures him in, right? Kind of like a right, a little siren, a little, a little, a little fairy scene, a little siren, mm-hmm. you know, moonlit in the desert, and you hear some singing, and you're like, "Oh, what's that?" Yeah. When he goes down up in there, he bangs on that cabin door and then walks the fuck in, and she's just cooking, like chilling. I'm not going to answer the door. I know you coming inside. I know what's happening, baby. And I also bo- want to say this this pit, this little chasm, if you will, is probably, it's at least like 60, 70 feet up. It's got to be. That's what I was thinking, yeah. too. Yeah. It's a deep-ass pit, and it's all by itself. He climbed down. He climbed in the only fucking way in and out. And so, so he's in there, and she's making some dinner. And somebody earlier said it was rat meat soup. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Um, she offers him it. It still looked good. I ain't gonna lie. Mm, it, I'd uh, have eaten it, Bob. If, if I'm hungry I enough. Did, I mean, it didn't look terrible. Bob, you better stop look, playing. That's some Nutra like, Rat, Bob. <laughs> it didn't look like some gumbo, but I mean, you know, it was That's all right. That's some Nutra Rat, Bob. So, it well, when, when Ricky and I were watching it again, I was like, man, kind of ask, ask yourself, like, where does she get the meat from? Right. You know? First thought, you're just like, mm, I don't know. Questionable. I like, how, I like how when he is walking up to the cabin, he notices that cage outside, and I'm like, yeah, get ready for that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, she offers him some food, and he don't want none of that Nutri-Rat soup. He just wants some water, so she gives him that. And at first, I thought, I thought honestly, okay, you just fucked up. You're about to be drugged. But no, no, that's not what happens. Um... He keeps asking her questions. She just keeps staring at him and doesn't answer anything he's asking. 
for the most right. part, basically just telling them like, put your clothes over there. You could stay over there, like hunker down, cousin. Yeah, because you' about to be here for the long haul. Yeah, she keeps insisting that he rest, and like she he can go sleep over on a cot over there, right? And then, um, like you said, like she ignores all questions about a phone. So at this point, I'm like, maybe she doesn't know what a phone is. Right. I hadn't thought then, that far ahead. Uh, I thought I, I immediately did have a suspicion of this woman, and then the movie kind of broke my suspicion of her until a certain point, and then it it yeah. came back. Yeah. Scott spends the night though. He has to because she won't fucking tell him shit, and he watches her bathe. And I like the yeah, scene. Yeah, he does. I, I like, like the scene too. He, 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 well. he tries not to look, and then he's like, "Fuck it, I I, I got I can't turn over, so I just gotta stop and and look at it." But. But, like, the sound design here, yes. the score, and the way this is shot, like, it's alluring and it's scary, just like the majority of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not confusing. But most of this movie is confusing also, because you're like, okay, what the fuck? But, but, it's, a, but it's alluring and scary. But this part is alluring, yes. Now, we get another title card here, and the movie's going to follow suit the entire way through with... The, the cycle of the moon. And we and I, love title cards. Title cards are great. Cycles of the moon are fucking great. We get the sturgeon moon over some old vegetables in a plate. And I think every mm-hmm. title card follows this. Yep. It's always some old veggies in a plate. And it's just like, it gives me the folk horror vibes. And yep. I, I dig the fuck out of it. Fuck yeah. Well, if uh, you notice, as the cards go, the food gets more uh, decayed and there's flies and stuff. Ah, uh, the rot sets in. The rot rock. You gotta watch out for the rock. It'll make your legs weak. <laughs> the rock <laughs> joint. Homeboy gets up the next day and he goes outside and he notices some fucking like snake lady desert rock wall art. Which it's is dope. pretty dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I do want to mention that like it kind of seems like he's trying to sneak out, right? Cause. Oh yeah, he is. Like he grabs all of his shit. So he's not like he's just going to scope out the area. Like he's carrying his fucking backpack with electronics his photo camera and like his all that shit and like he looks at her she's sleeping so like he quietly shuts the door so i'm like this motherfucker this motherfucker done drink all her water and now he's just gonna gonna (laughs) leave you're gonna leave you're gonna leave her waterless you're gonna leave her (laughs) what happened to hospitality yeah yeah you know you're pissing on hospitality because that's essentially what he does he goes straight outside and takes a piss yes on hospitality True, true on that. He also notices that the chain link ladder is gone. It's just gone. Gone pecan. That lady is trying to build up her house a little bit. She's throwing some tin up on the roof. And he's like, oh, my God, where'd the ladder go? And she won't talk to him. So he's like, okay, I guess I better help her because she's struggling. Uh, About to get tetanus out the ass. And he goes and he he risks getting tetanus real quick and helps her throw that, that tin on the roof. Mm-hmm. And she's st- she's just not answering a fucking thing, and he's ba- he basically does get told though that there's no way out. This ladder is gonna come and go, so you're just gonna kind of have to wait around for it if you want to, dude. Like straight up, that's that's what you're gonna have to do. And after that, she offers to wash his clothes, <laughs> to which he's he's a little defiant. And Wyndham is 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 defiant throughout this whole movie, and I would be too if I was in this situation. I'd be like, "Fuck, man, I I why am I here? What is happening?" And the movie's building this up like this confusion, this this 
element of I have no clue where I'm at, why it's happening to me. And as the audience, you don't know what's happening yet. She does wash his clothes and he spends another night. The next day he try. I love, I love, th- and I feel like eventually this is what I would do too. I say the next day, we don't actually know how much time passes because this mo- this movie goes by lunar cycles. So it could be two, three days, who knows? But he, he, he looks around and he finds a few items that he can use to try to scale the wall of this pit. He wraps his hands, he gets a fucking hammer. And he's trying to fucking scale his way out. And this scene caused me to jump back in my chair while watching the movie. Because while he's scaling the wall, he hears like some noises up above at the top of the pit. And he's like calling out like, you know, who's there or whatever. And then you hear this shrill scream, squeal. And a fucking, if I'm not wrong, y'all. Y'all let me know, but I think it's a pig's head comes rolling down the fucking into the pit. Yes. Yeah. So Ricky and I had talked about this because I asked him, I was like, yeah. man, is that a pig's pig's head? I thought maybe it was, it was like, a headless chicken. <laughs> yeah. But it looked but like it a pig's seemed head. like it was too 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 small too big, right, to be yeah. a chicken. This screen pig's head thing causes him to fall. Uh and he wakes up that night with the hammer sticking out of his fucking knee. Brutal. Owie. <laughs> He's got a bobo. Got a you got you got you got your fucking wall scaler embedded in your goddamn kneecap, cousin. What are you doing? Uh the lady runs outside the, I, I I from my notes I kept calling her Pit Lady because they never say her character's name in the movie. They never do. That's really? why I, Yeah, they never say yeah. her actual name. Um I just called the, her lady the entire time in my notes. The only reason you even know his name is because you see his driver's license later. That he, they never say his name either. Mm-hmm. So um, Pit Lady comes out, and he's he's fucking in pain. She pulls the hammer out of his knee, which is fucking also brutal. And he's just, oh my god! And uh, <laughs> he goes through like this healing process where he's having these semi hallucinations or are they where they, there are kids in the house and this is this is again where the movie gets artsy the cinematography's doing what it's doing um yeah his body's having a fever dream because he's fighting infection most likely mm-hmm. um I will say for like for like that scene where he falls because like the people scare him off the rock which is why he falls with the hammer so when he falls it's like midday and when he wakes up, it's it's dark outside. So, like, he basically laid there for, like, half the afternoon, right? Yeah. With a hammer in his leg, passed out, and she just left him there. Because, <laughs> I mean, how did she not, like, hear him fall or anything? I, I don't, you know, I'm Pit just lady, saying. Pit lady said, you're going to learn today. Yeah. Now, once he started screaming and, like, screaming blood and murder, she came out, but, like, you have a whole entire person like in your domicile where you've been stuck for who knows how long and you're not keeping tabs on them. So when you don't hear from them for like four hours, you're just like, eh, that's okay. You know what she's, you know what she is keeping tabs of in her domicile? Oh, yes, I do. This she, is one she, of my, she, she keeping tabs of that moon cycle, bro. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. My boy, my boy is recovering and you see pit lady. Keeping track of time with her period bl- blood calendar. 
And yep. ba- based on how much blood she's dribbling on the walls, she's putting like a fingerprint of blood, of a dollop of, of period blood for every moon cycle. Every Well, not every moon cycle, actually, every month. She's been there for years. Because you see the walls throughout the movie. They're littered with period blood. Yep. Wyndham has a breakdown and is yelling at Pit Lady. Like, this dude is, is fed up with it. He drags her outside. He's basically, you know, saying he wants his fucking life back. He, he, the people depend on him. He wants out of this archaic shithole, as he calls it. And th- th- this is where I was telling Scott earlier, like, yeah, dude, like I, it would, it would have, I would, my, my temper would have been shorter than this guy's. I wouldn't have waited this long before I'd have lost my shit, honestly. Yeah, I, I think it was just the way he went about it. Cause like, so he went bat shit, but then like he, he put his hands on her and dragged her outside. And that's where I'm like, probably wouldn't have done that. So, uh, I don't don't know what I would have done, dude. I don't go lie. I probably would have just settled in and been easy, easy mood for, uh, for, for her. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, well, well, fan favorite Rick over here. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You easy Probably bitch. So. No, no, I'd have lost my shit way before he did, honestly. I'd have been well, like, I guess I'm a desert hole person now. You are. <laughs> I, man, man. I, 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 I don't think I would try to scale the walls with a hammer, though. Hell no. <laughs> I, I sure I, wouldn't. No. I don't think I'd have went yeah. that far. No. But, and but I'd I, get tired of asking questions that I don't get answers to. I'd have been like, well, I'm a desert hole guy now. See, that's what it's, that's that's what would have pissed me off. That's what would set me off, and I'd fucking go over the edge because I'd be like, "You need to talk to me. You, you were here yeah, together. Yeah. If you're trapped, yeah. if you're truly trapped like me, we need to communicate. And if you're not truly trapped like me, and you don't want to talk, you know something I don't. So what mm-hmm. do you know? What do you know? And murder, murder probably would follow. So Travis, yeah, is saying no, I not me, Rick, 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 no. Ricky would have been like, "So, have you heard of uh, Warhammer 40k?" Oh yeah, <laughs> they'd either got rid of me or it would have just been easy for everyone. Rick, Rick, Ricky would have used that that little rock hammer to just start carving War, Warhammer figures. <laughs> I mean, you got all the time in the world, so I mean, he'd, he'd, he'd paint all them Warhammer rock figures with her period blood. Yep, hell yep. yeah, <laughs> blood for the blood god. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Blood guys, so happy now. Um, I do want to point out, like, before the hammer scene and everything, they do have a conversation, and she asked him, she's like, so, like, because I forget what they were talking about, but she was basically like, uh, what would she say? And he's like, what would who say? And he's and she's uh, like, your, your wife. wife. And he's like, I don't, I don't have a wife. So I think at that point right there, she was testing the waters to kind of see. If he's um, eligible. If he's eligible, right? To kind of get a feel on how long it's going to take for him to succumb to his her feminine charms, and, you know? Because if he has, yeah. To, yeah, if she has to fight through like dedication to a wife, that might take years. You never know, you know. So, right. Mm-hmm. That's a good. Uh, point, I just, Trev. I thought that was a good. That was a good little glimpse into what might be happening later on, you know. And a strong point to the screenwriting here again. Yes, uh, Bar- Barnaby. Clay, Barnaby, Clay. good job. We like you, Barnaby Clay. Make more movies, please. Yeah, yes, please, please do. The next day, this kid shows up offering help from the from the top of the pit. He's like, "I missed her." Oh, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> and he's like, well, you, "What you doing?" He's like, "I'm stuck down here." Wyndham says, "I need some help. Get the police." He's like, "The police? You you okay?" He's like, "Yeah, I just need some help." 
He's like, I got a, I got a winch. I could get you out, no problem. But I want to know Bruh. one thing: what's your favorite color? He's like, <laughs> it's, it's red. He's like, you hear that? His favorite color is red. He's talking to someone else off red camera. Red like a country rose. I got that in my notes, baby. Yep. Red yeah. like a country rose. And when I heard that, I fell out. Yeah, boy. <laughs> I was like, boy, you being played right now, cousin. These are not your friends. And, yep. and sure enough, that kid said, and you see the close up of this character. He's he looks like he looks like a Young, dirty desert version of one of the gangsters from Phantasm Three. Sure. Yeah, yeah. He's got like yep. a pimp suit on with chains, and it's fucking weird. Yep. Yeah. Doesn't he have like Mardi Gras beads on too? He might as well. <laughs> he might as well. I, I, dude, when I saw this character up close, I was just like, "Oh my Jesus!" No. Yeah. He, he also made. He also makes a comment about the color that he chose. Yeah. yeah. He should have chose. Should have said blue. Should have said blue. These kids throw him down a rope and um they start hoisting up Wyndham. They leave him hanging about halfway, and this is after uh Pit Lady told him, like, don't go out in the sun, you're gonna burn. So right. that was some yeah. foreshadowing right there. They she's trying to warn him again of what these guys are gonna these boys are gonna do to him. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get your dick scene in the movie. Oh uh, yeah. For some reason, this guy has a raging heart on while he's pissing on this dude. Cause mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but no flaccid dick looks like this. This is like a nah, hard on yeah. dick. Mine yeah. is. No, no, cousin. You, yeah. You, if your if your flaccid is swollen with veins, mm-hmm. oh my lords. Yeah, bro. What are you, Hogzilla? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it just stays like that the entire time. It never oh. goes away. That's why he's it's the like fan that. favorite. It's like it's like that, but it's only <laughs> it's only three quarters of an inch long. <laughs> <laughs> God damn! Yeah, it gets and it it gets hard, and all it does is go up. <laughs> just, yeah, it goes straight up. <laughs> it goes, yeah. Well, Hogzilla's pissing on this dude in the desert while he's yeah. hanging there, and they this this must have been the part that uh, Scott was shying away from spoiling. But you're in spoiler territory now. They start swinging him while chanting this fucking Google de- gobble Uga Chaga. Yeah, <laughs> hold, on, hold on, I got I got it right here. Uh, let's see. I put exposure is a bitch. Sunburn and dehydration with a bum knee ain't gonna help nothing. Then I put waking up to getting peed on. That sucks. Sweet, sweet pissy relief though, because you're fucking uh, hot. So like, just any kind of liquid at that point, right? Uh, oh, hey, guess what, folks? It's time to swing. And what do these kids start chanting? Nui fuktis, nui fuktis, nui fuktis. I wrote it down. So the what? first thing they started saying was nui fuktis, and then it changed from there to several different things. What the hell does Nui Fuktis mean? Piss on me? I, Piss on me? Maybe. I don't know, but that's what they were saying with the first chant. But then new, it changes. New fucker. Yeah, something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Pro- probably. Because they had their own little language, you know? So who knows? Yeah. But that's what they were saying. They swing my boy. They in- speak They speak the language so, of the dirt but, kingdom. But this. Yeah, so they're, <laughs> they're swinging him, and you start getting that chanting. And like uh, I put, like, this scene is epic. Like, all the chanting and the primal fuckery that's going on. Because, yes. like, they're chanting and it's primal and they're aggressive and they're hateful shits and they just look angry. Like, it's some scary shit, really. That's some, mm-hmm. that's some, that's some frat boys wilding out in the desert. Bruh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bullying people all just out there just... 
seething yeah. hatred. A, a bunch, a bunch of teenage desert jabronis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they swing my boy, and my boy's my boy is just flailing around, helpless. And you're helpless as fuck. That's the thing I want to emphasize about the my fear watching this scene was I imagine myself hoping the greatest hope of all hopes that I'm about to get the fuck out of this place. And now I'm helplessly being flung around next to a rock wall by a bunch of morons speaking the dirt language. Like, <laughs> dude, oh my God. This, this for me was actually the most intense scene in the movie. I was, I was very nervous and, and very anxious watching this scene. And when, when they swing him around so much, my boy finally hits the fucking wall and his head busts against the wall. Yep. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I was like, wow, you're done. You're done. You you are trapped here, dude. Pit Lady was trying to tell you for a reason to hunker down because you're done. This is it. You're, you're surrounded by morons. It's like the real world. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and I do want to point yeah. out while he while he's swinging, the lady does come out. And she starts like fussing all the teenage boys in their language, right? Like right. the other language. And this, I think, is also kind of another glimpse into her, like maybe being a part of this shit, right? Like right. she's not, she's not innocent, or at least she knows them enough to know how to talk to them in their own way, right? Yeah. Um, and it's still ambiguous at this point because you're not sure if she's on their side with them or what. You just know that, okay, she, maybe she's been here. Long she's enough not, to just have she's picked not, up on stuff, right? Maybe, maybe she's been abused. You don't know because I mean, she's a lady in a desert surrounded by a bunch of horny teenage boys. You right. don't know what's going on. So, um, but just just to point out, you know, like she's had interactions with him at least, hundred percent. And and uh, another great observation, and one that I was making myself too, Trev. I was like, she knows the language. Okay, so she's probably from here, but they probably trapped her here. Yeah. Is the way is the way that the movie is is making it seem at this point. That night Pit Lady is c- trying to console him and telling him like, you know, these kids are like desert strays. Just don't she she says don't poke sticks in the nest. Be silent. Right. It works for me. Yeah. That's that's what leads you as the audience to further go down that that trail of she's stuck here too and she's just right. trying to play whatever part she can and be as Mm-hmm. Um. Not so. Like he's defiant, and she seems. And he later he later points this out to her that she seems more complacent, more accepting mm-hmm. of of the situation. And yeah, he doesn't like that. He doesn't like it for his own sake. But um, well, we'll see how the movie plays out. Yeah. But so for this scene, he wakes up, and I put it, he's determined to leave. And she just looks resigned to his dumbassery, right? Like, it's basically what I put. Like, you're hurt. You just got dropped. You probably have a concussion. You have a bum fucking knee. And, but you're, you're going to go out there and, and yell at everybody, you know? Um, and then like, he kind of loses his shit and he starts please, pleading to God, which is not something he's done before. So I think that's a, a crack in the, in the, at least the control, maybe. I don't, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a next. No, it's a. It's a next step to him losing his mind. Whenever is what whenever, you could argue. I would say whenever any human being, like let's say, especially like a not religious person, yes, starts pleading to God, that's how you know they are at the end of their rope because now they're trying to make a bargain 
with anything greater than themselves to get out of their current situation. Um, mm -hmm. As a non-religious person, I've made several bargains with God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just so just I, in moments of of pure, like like not as not as desperate as but, him, but but yes, I in mean, desperate situations. I've look, pleaded there, with God. There are different ways to be desperate. So I mean, mm -hmm. you know, um, and then I put exactly what you just said, which is like, uh, that, so he asked he asked her about them, and this is the first time she kind of actually gives some kind of details because normally she would literally just ignore any questions right yeah and and that's where she says they are strays the desert brings them together they are boys they get bored they do stupid things um and then he's like what were you saying to him and this is where like he, he was referring to her yelling at them and she's like this is just the language people around here use and then that's when she's like don't poke the nest with sticks be silent it works for me but she doesn't help him back inside. Right. Before, she's way more helpful, way more like with the hammer and everything else, like in his knee, like very no nonsense about pulling that out, but like helping him inside. But this is the, kind of the first time she just kind of leaves him alone. Right. And doesn't offer him like immediate help. Uh, again, I'm reminded of the imagery of this scene with the feral boys aided by the sound design, which is amazing. And they all still just look so mean and wild feral um and they keep looking at him with like just fucking hate right and it's nighttime now and you know he just pleaded with god and all this other stuff so it just keeps adding to the tension and to the helplessness of it all and in the background you can hear welcome to the nightclub cup <laughs> yeah. cosmic cup <laughs> that's a tribal dance out there yes. our next title card is the harvest moon and the pit lady she's been nursing this little bird little birdie bird in a cage and she frees it outside and offers Scott some clothes from a a, a, a hutch or a, or a trunk that she has over stowed away. And um, I say Scott, it's Scott Hayes' character, Wyndham. He's planting a garden outside, and the yep. boys end up bringing, bringing them a chicken and some other supplies like salt and alcohol and chocolate. So they get they get some niceties out there, and um, he questions if pit lady cares anymore this is where he was asking her about like are you even trying or you've just accepted this he says it in so many words i'm paraphrasing the the, the lines but um she slaughters the one chicken and keeps the other one for the eggs and she tells uh wyndham put that chicken in the cage and he's like he's already in a cage and she's like no the other one out back the one that we saw at the beginning of the film and that we will see again <laughs> yeah and the care package they got was the chicken's I'm pretty sure it's kerosene. I know Ricky and I talked about this. I want to say in one of the scenes, you can hear a generator running when he's in the cage. Well, she so has, I think that's she, how she has, she has lights. power, right? The first yeah. night he showed up, she had lights. And I, I don't think in the entire movie we ever see those again. Um, Only at night. I, think. I, I don't think so, Trev. I don't think those lights, because I was watching the movie and I noticed when he first went there, there was a light on outside. Mm -hmm. I could I could be wrong. I could totally yeah. be wrong. But I don't think we ever see that light on again throughout the entire movie. Well, I I I I think the very next scene the light is on when they're eating supper and it's dark outside. Is that is that candlelight or is that light in, in the in the shack? I, I I'm asking honestly right? like I don't remember. Oh, shit. Well, I I assume that it I I don't know. So in my notes 
I know that like they get this care package in and you see the alcohol because they get two fits of fucking whiskey, whiskey or something, yeah. right? And whiskey he starts drinking something, something dirty. Yeah. And yeah, I would starts... too. I wanted to say that oh, yeah, immediately. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would be drinking yeah. my ass off. I'd yeah. be fucking drunk as he is, drunk as a fucking yeah. oh, Cajun oh, skunk yeah, yeah. cousin. Yeah, which I, I put like swig that alcohol, man. Fuck it. Um, but then like what what happens is is and, and I, I wrote it down was uh she got the poof sleeves to look nice. Like right. cause when they're sitting at this table, yeah, it's for like dinner, a little date. Like she she's not <laughs> wearing like yeah, she's not wearing like her cut off jean shorts and a t shirt. Like she's wearing a dress with poofy sleeves. It's all buttoned up. She looks nice. Yeah, and he's boy. drunk as fuck. Like he's just drunk as fuck, kind of bitter. Um what well, that that's when he's fucking grilling her ass. He, yeah. he's, he's, that, he's like, I, I think a woman like you in your situation would appreciate a good conversation. And then he looks at her and she looks at him while eating the fucking Nutri-Rat soup. And he's like, ah, it's not, it's chicken at this point, but for the joke. <laughs> and she looks yeah. over at him and she just stares at him. He's like, I guess not. And she cuts yeah. him off of the liquor. Like, she's yeah, like, I, I, this is I, enough. So, so my note on that was she stops him from drinking more. And I'm like, I guess he's got to be able to perform. Yeah. Based on what's coming. Yeah. And well, that, that and, was and my not, initial and, thought. And not, and not just saying him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, but at that point, that's when he starts hearing the, the, the teen boys outside yelling. He hears noises outside mm-hmm. and that's, he runs that, out there. That's Ricky and his old band, Her Greatest Fear. They're out there fucking screaming yeah. into the night. And Alan is playing, <laughs> Alan's playing guitar and, and like shaking his Chucky hair around. Yeah. Hell yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she warns him. She's like, just leave them be. Stay with, like, stay with me when they are like that. Yeah. Basically, like, she tries to stop yeah, them from she going says, out don't there. Li- don't, don't leave. Yeah. Don't leave me alone when they're like this. Yeah. And, um, and then at that point, then now I'm questioning, I'm like, fuck, what have they been doing to her? Like when they're like this and nobody else is there, you know, so it kind of throws me off a little, but like, so he goes out there <laughs> and that's where, and that's where you get a uh, ball. Does he go out there with the ax? Is this a scene where yeah, he goes he out does. there with the ax? He goes and out like, there with the ax. Oh yeah. Goes to fight him and, and shit. And they, they fucking, they fucking him up. And then, and then old boys like. It's like they're coming out of nowhere. And then the on, one that's on. wearing like, yeah. like the uh, women's clothes, like. Tackles him, yeah, and, and, and then and then licks he's like, him oh. on the face. He's like, yeah. and he's like, you my fuck, you boy. my fuck boy. And then he yeah. licks him. Mm. And he's all full of blood too. This is everybody. This is so. probably everybody's favorite line in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My favorite line's coming, but this oh, is okay. up there. This is up there because, dude, this this scene where mm. yeah, you, you're fucking terrifying, and, androgynous, fucking way more masculine. Right. Way more, way more cut and masculine is fucking laying you down and telling you you're my fuck boy and licking your face yeah. is like brother, you, and you're drunk as shit. You don't yeah. have no control over this situation. Yeah. And you right. just tried to fight him and got your ass kicked. Yeah, big so time. pit lady tells him like you're drunk as fuck. He's he's yelling at her and she tells yeah, him so- it's time to go to sleep. But he's defiant well, as fuck. He's like, I'll go to yeah. sleep when I want. I'm a man. I'm not some yeah. boy you can push around. I'm a man. And she's like, you're right. You're a man. Like, like building yeah, she, him up. She, 
she right. hypes him up. I wrote that down. I, so I was like, so he goes to fuck off on her. He's like, tell me who they are. Tell me who they are. Like all freaking out. He drinks some more and then he starts crying. But then he gets aggressive while he's crying and macho at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then that's where she hypes him up. And she's like, yeah, you're a, you're a man. So be a man. And like, and then you're like, oh, fuck. And then she goes into the other room. And I mean, she gets naked to start cleaning herself like she did the first time. But she, she lets, lets the door open. She lets her hair down. She fucking. Yeah. She's being sensual, and then she does that look over the shoulder at him. Right. This yeah, is the first yeah. time she looked at him. She I think. she makes her move. She makes her move. Right. And she's like, over the shoulder look. It's time to party, bro. But then, but then the movie does a weird thing where it cuts to him weeping like a boy. Yeah. Right. And he breaks. He breaks down in her arms. And she's Fine. consoling him, and then it cuts immediately to man hams. They're fucking. Yeah. Like, the movie is giving you these mixed messages right here, which is meant, I, I'm sure it's on purpose. And it makes you question a lot of things about masculinity. And, and, um, and look, I, I'm just saying, if you aren't paying attention to the sex scene, you probably should be. Because while she does look like she's enjoying herself, it doesn't look like she's just being a robot laying there. Right. She's also looking outside the window. And they don't show you what she's looking at. Interesting. Didn't notice that. Yeah. She's looking at it. She was definitely looking at something out the window that they didn't show. And I thought she was looking at her brothers. Or whoever those fucking kids are. Sons and brothers. But, uh, sons, yeah. brothers, uh, brothers we'll, sons. We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Ne- next title card is Cold Moon. So we got, we moved on to another phase of the moon cycle. Uh, Scott's outside fucking doing the gardening. And this one kid that we learned his name is Lepus comes up and he's like, hey. What you doing? And <laughs> Scott's like, I, I'm I'm growing food because we need to eat. He's like, so you're a farmer? You farming? And he's like, no, right. really? You farming then? <laughs> what says. you what you farming for? No. <laughs> um. <laughs> and he, Scott, uh, I keep saying Scott Wyndham is explaining to him that this area has fertile dirt. Right. It's like a microcosm, and it's he's a like, microcosm. "What's yeah. that?" And he's like, "Well, it's an environment, in a small environment inside of a larger environment that can sustain itself." And he's like, "You talk big." He says, <laughs> "You talk big." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is where I like Wyndham's character because he's like playing the angles. He's like, "I can get this kid to befriend me," right? And 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 so he's like, "Yeah, I'll teach you sometime." It's hard to do that from down here, but I'll I'll do it. And then Lepus throws him a pack of uh, gum, and he's like, right. "I can get you some Coca Cola too." So Scott's like, "Thanks, thanks." You know, he's he's gonna let it play out. He's not gonna jump to the the final conclusion. He's gonna let it play out. And I like this. This is why I keep saying, Scott, I'm sorry, Wyndham's character. You're doing Scott's- good at this point, Scott. Yeah, Scott, yeah. your character Wyndham is dope. I, I get what's happening here. Um, he does find this ring and, and this- keys. And keys. and keys, yeah. So the ring, the ring was inscribed, though. It was it says, inscribed. It says "together forever, never apart." And I'm, I'm looking at this like, what the fuck is going on now? Okay, mm-hmm. this is where I started to put it together, and I, yeah. I, this is when I got real skeptical of our female character. I was like, oh man. I'll put it to you this way: as soon as I saw him and the way he's gardening and he's shoving the seeds into the dirt Mm -hmm. below the surface 
like it all just clicked. I didn't know how far and, you know, spoiling it, but like, I was like, oh, they're the seeds, them two. So I didn't know if it was just him or both of them that were, you know, put in this hole, but I understood the purpose. Uh, I, yes, I, sir. It took the ring for me the mo- a few moments later, but that's when I started to think this is something that's happening here. Right. And him fucking her is no mistake. It's no mm-hmm. mistake. Yeah. And th- th- you get the next scene, and this is what Scott was talking about earlier when he was talking about the picture on the wall, and that's first mother. Um, we're learning about, you know, yeah, like it's this her- old black and white picture, and this lady looks like a fucking Quaker. Like just right. picture old Quaker. She's probably like thirty six years old, but she looks like she's eighty. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and I, I like because she says, you know, she, she says she's ugly. ugly. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, and he's oh, like, it wasn't but, my place to say. <laughs> well, no, yeah, yeah, but but he does. This is the first time he gives her a compliment in the entire movie. Yeah, he's like, and you he, don't look like and her. he, yeah, but it's such a backhanded compliment. Like he can't say she's just like pretty. He's like, yeah, but you don't look like her. I'm like, right. okay, all right, cool, bro. Like, I'm glad you're half ass trying, I guess, you know. <laughs> so, given, given the situation, I'm, I'm, I'm with it at this point. I get it. Um, I'm already indoctrinated. I, I'm on team. Oh yeah, Ricky, desert hole. I'd have, done, I'd have done murdered her. So Ricky's already there. So we're, 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 okay. we're, in, we're but, at the, in, we're at the good in between here. <laughs> so, 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 and this is where she says, "I'm uh, already know- Uga Chaga." I'm yeah. already there, dude. but uh, she says she's like I know I know like first mother will will love me always, and she's like just like she will love this child. Is what oh, she it's says. just like oh, yeah. I will love this child. Yeah, it's just like I will love this child. Yes, yeah. and that's and, uh, when it's like the fuck you say. Yeah, <laughs> the fuck and you said then, mate. That's where he, he, she's he like, becomes he becomes unpretentious caveman. Bro. Yes, so oh, he gets yeah. pissed. But this is what she says. Calls her she's like. Yeah, yeah, oh, calls her all kinds of... Go ahead, say calls that her first. An, calls her an inbred half-wit. Yes. <laughs> I will not um, allow a child to be raised by an inbred half-wit. Yes. That's the line she, that, that gave me the 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 pause moment, and I'm like, dude, this woman's been nice to you. Like, let, Let's say we don't know what's coming, right? Because right. we don't. Yeah. This woman has done what she can for you in this pit and and has let you enter her. For real, right. <laughs> like yeah. for real, like like right. you you owe her a little bit more yeah. than and all cook- she, all she's all she's ever done is patch up your wounds, pull a hammer out your leg, feed you, clothe you, help wash your clothes, offer to support you in every single way, has sex with you, and right. consoles you, and then you just just an asshole. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 will, I will admit something. I will admit something. I didn't see this movie from or the story from the from the perspective Scott laid out earlier where he said he was taken advantage of while drunk because right. and maybe this is my societal bias or whatever word is the right word. But it's true. I didn't look at it as because usually from a man's perspective, even drunk, if you're nailing somebody, hey, man, it's all good. Well, I think I think what, what and not only lines, that, but he was also very emotional. He was emotionally yeah, I, broken at that point what what i'll say is she, she took advantage of him but it wasn't like he was saying no she just took advantage of him in, in a moment of weakness but right. like 
but he if, was already still predatory. He, he if, was if, he, yeah, if, it was if predatory. You flip, if you flip that script and say the same thing about a woman, you will exactly. not get a good it, response. Oh, it is no, still, I, it is still I, predatory. I, so I and that's and that's why I do want to acknowledge the predatory nature of it. I, and I think it's that. interesting to have that, like, to have the conversation about that, and then to go into this next situation where, well, now he's a father, and he didn't have a choice. I mean, he should have kind of known. But well, like yeah, there was yeah, no you, there no, was no complaint there was no complaints about the sex until he found out he was a, he was going to be a father correct right so so and this is the conversation that she's saying because I, I wrote down the quote because you don't get a whole lot of dialogue from her in the movie right. only in extreme situations so she basically says hey I'm not asking you to be a father I'm telling you there's a child coming from your seed okay mm-hmm. how you deal with this is your choice. Yeah. And he says, you did this. She says, we did this. And then he's like, well, let me rephrase. And then he blames her and says, hey, this is all by design. You designed this. And then that's when he says, hey, like, I'm not, you know. Uh, yeah, the inbred shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like this child's not going to be raised that's, by inbred that's, halfwit. That's secondary to what to what you're saying right now, the, the thing before. And that's that's part of what I'm like looking at as the greater whole of what the scene means. And I'm wondering what the filmmaker, the writer, the actors, everyone involved is trying to say about this scene because it's, it's, it's heavy, heavy implications, but I don't know what they're exactly trying to say, but it's, this movie is almost like um, presenting parenthood and womanhood from a perspective of a male who is hopeless and helpless. It's like, I wonder what they're trying to say because when it when it I ends, don't know. I, where because I mean, where the, it ends, where it ends is a de- desiccated corpse. Yeah, and there's well, a baby, and I'm like, what does this? What is this movie trying and, to say? And <laughs> I did. Well, I think I, I think she says it to him shortly. My favorite line of the film, but okay. we'll, I'll let us get there. We'll okay. we'll get there because I think I don't know if I had this conversation with you, Travis, but I had this conversation with Ricky towards the end of the, of the movie about what this movie is actually about. Okay. So, uh, I don't know if you remember what we talked about, Ricky, but I don't, um, I, I wasn't, okay. Well, I wasn't able to talk to Scott about it, but it, it might've been Travis. I don't know, but we'll, we'll get there. When we get there, we'll get there. I'll point it out. Okay. 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 So, so, uh, but anyway, so after all this shit goes down and he gets mad, he goes outside and like his gardens being destroyed by some fucking birds. Right. Yeah. And she immediately goes to help him. And and yeah. the first thing she does, she still tries to be nice and help him with the garden. And honestly, he's just standing there upset, and she's the one that starts trying to fix the garden. And then he jumps in and kind of, like, proceeds to help her with it, right? And then after that, you see him sleeping on the cot again. And I'm like, damn, bro, she done exiled him. He yeah. back on the cot, yeah, bro. he back on the cot, cousin. yeah. Uh, my, and then my boy this, does try to keep up his cardio. His cardio, though, he's jogging around the place. Yeah. So, yeah. so I do want to say. So that night, um, he sees her singing in the yard at night, and I thought this was an amazing image because you have the moonlight shining on her, but it's not like a full moon without clouds, right? It's a cloudy moon, full moon night. So, like, you get kind of her in a glow, like there's almost a light on her, but it's moonlight, and she's singing that same song again, like she did when he first like heard her and go into the bowl right right yeah. um and just the the tone of that 
the imagery, the, the sound was just keeping me in the movie, right? Like fucking amazing. Hell Again, yeah. I'm gonna just keep pointing that out because throughout the whole movie, the score, the imagery, they just keep doing the thing. The kid Lepus returns with the soda, and Scott's like offering him help in exchange for like, I will teach you about shit if you fucking get me the fuck out of here. Yeah, and that's when Lepus mentions the palace, but he doesn't want right. to talk about that place. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to talk about much of anything. And another boy shows up and takes him away. Yep. So it's like, oh, bro, your your guy done got found out. Before that guy takes him away, we get a little bit of character insight because he's like, he's like, yeah, he's like, I'll take you with me. And Lepus is like her too because he cares about. Her. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. like, "Yeah, her too. We'll be a big family." You know? Yes, because he mentioned that she's pregnant and everything else. Right. She did see this interaction, and, and I think that'll kind of play to what's going to happen a little bit. Um, yes. But like, I mean, she's doing laundry and stuff outside, but like, she knows that he's talking to Lepus, yeah, and she right. can hear what he's saying. So Clearly. it's not like she's not aware of what's going on. That's why what happens um, a little bit later, I'm yes, kind of questioning. Yes, that's that's why I'm pointing it out. I Travis, think she cause... sees the conversation but doesn't hear it so well. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe. But I just I just think that like that was kind of a, a weird thing for me, um, mostly because of how she she appoints the blame later on, right? But when, yeah, because Wyndham is yelling his lines, and and I'm like, how can you not hear this yeah. right there within earshot? Yeah. Fair, yeah. like. Um, I don't. I don't know. So, but, but, but I hear you, and because that that does come into play. Because that's how later. she acts. Yeah. So know? so then right after she even that, asked him what what they were talking about. You know. Yes. Uh, yes. You're not wrong. Yeah. You're not wrong. So he, he 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 lies to her. He does lie. He keeps secrets. Yes. Because Scott, um, well, Scott does have a dream. This is in between what we're talking about. The, the that, that's what I was about to mention next. The cosmic fucking dream he has. Oh, bro. His knee is healing and he's finally yeah. getting it bathed and it's all nice and the pit lady's washing it for him. And then there's a fucking eyeball that peeks through the fucking wound. And I'm like, God damn, what the hell is this shit? Yes, <laughs> but what what does it mean? Is is and I don't, I don't want to get stupid philosophical, but like because it's a dream, right? Obviously, he's having a dream, but the dream starts out with like so. Because at this point, he's exiled by the lady, right? Him and her be fighting and shit. Yeah. Um, and so he has a dream where like they are kind of happy go lucky together, and she's taking care of him, and she literally fucking bends down to clean his wound on his leg, and then the wound opens up into an eye, and he wakes up shocked. So like what? Is the eye just kind of like an awareness of, like yes. a representation of him being aware of you are starting to like give up on leaving? No, and I think I think I think the eye is a reminder that you're not seeing through the actual harm that's being done yeah. here. Okay, so but that but that's well that kind of is going to what I was trying to say, which was um. I think like the first part of the dream where she's like they're happy go lucky and she's taking care of them is this is him getting complacent. This is him caving into the situation. He's like and, Vegeta and, settling in with and, Balma. Yes. And then yeah, that well, eye is like Majin Vegeta <laughs> yes, resurfacing. Yes. And the eye is the reminder, hey, don't trust it. We can get out of here. You don't belong here. 
Yes. Like you have to escape, right? And I think that's that the might way be what it. it is. That's the way I I'm saw it. I'm not sure though. I, that's the way know. I saw it through the kneecap. Okay. Good. Yeah. Y'all y'all <laughs> Ricky? saw more out of that than I did, dude. I just thought it was okay. a cool effect. Well, well, it took me a while to process that because I wrote it down in my notes and then I was like, but what the fuck does it mean? Because this cosmic is all fucked. Yeah. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, all right, well, maybe it means this. And I don't know if we're right. I wish we could have asked, but I don't know either. Okay. I have no idea either, yeah. man. But that, that, yeah, that, yeah. Is, that is also the way that I'm like, um, I, when I saw it, I'm like, yeah, this is the eye peering through the wound to say, you've been harmed here. No. Don't, don't lose your sight. Don't lose what, what really matters trying to get the fuck away from this situation. Yeah. Cause yeah. he immediately so then, wakes up from a nightmare. Like it's a nightmare yeah. at that point and he yeah. bursts so, out of it like, God damn. Yeah. He wakes up and then it pans to another scene and, um, well, that's, that's this is where they, they have, have like the, a the secret. They had the scene. cute. They well, they had the cute little back and forth, right? Like the the cheeseburger. Well, they 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 have the the scene where after the nightmare, they have the scene where he 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 lies about what he was talking to Lepus about. Oh, um, okay. And then yes, that night over dinner, they're talking about freedom, and then it boils down to the idea of freedom, and he's saying like, "Well, the freedom to me is like I could put my foot in the ocean." I can go have a cheeseburger and she's like, what's a cheeseburger? And he explains to her a cheeseburger and he's like, you know, it's got the fucking it's 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 a layered a piece of meat layered between two buns with lettuce and tomato and mustard and processed cheese, processed Mm -hmm. cheese, pickle if you're lucky. And she 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 explains to him that the place that they live in their their old mother used to tell them that out there in the world everything is a mirage you're constantly yep. distracted and that's like a commentary on us now and today and our mm-hmm. cell phones and everything else and she right. says that down here there is no mirage it's all real it's the flesh it's everything yeah like this but she is does the real. but right at the end of that she does give a caveat and she says but nowhere is easy Right, right, right. So it don't matter if you're here with us with the flesh or you're out in the mirage. Nothing is easy. I thought that was cool. I was like, oh shit, that's it is dope. And yeah, he, he shows her his camera of the night he took the mm-hmm. eclipse, and she hears something that was a mistake. He recorded something by mistake on his camera of him in his car, and it's playing a song. And this shows her curiosity side. Like this shows her naivete. Where she yeah. hears this song and she's taken by it. She's really taken by it. And the song, I think the lyrics playing during the song are, you and us are meant to be together, something like that. Mm-hmm. And she keeps well, asking Well, it might have been the first time it. she ever heard music, too. Right. And she so. keeps asking him to play it over and over and over again. And he does. He does for her. Mm-hmm. And yep. then you get these fucking even just the, well, well, Even hold on, just hold on, the hold way on. she says it, though. Because yeah, she's, so, like, she's like, make it go. Make it go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so before we get to Desert Boys, I just want to point out like, so the next scene is him waking up in her bed. And this, <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. And, and I think as, as to the other the discussion, like eventually he's like, yeah, let me get it. So like, but it was weird because like whenever they would fight, he's sleeping on the cot. And whenever everything's like honky dory, he's in the bed. And I'm like, oh shit, bro. Yeah, I know about that life. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you so then the you hear, chant. you hear, you hear the crazy music first off. Yeah. So like, wakes up, you hear crazy music, 
and then you hear the crazy aggressive desert chanting during the nighttime, and you get the scene of like the teen boys just and it's like a prelude to what's about to happen because you hear her screaming over and over and over again and the next morning when 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 they wake up yeah uh, morning comes and there's chores to be done and they go outside outside, she goes outside and the screaming starts and that's when you get the goddamn midsummer scene Mm. where my boy's back or levis is split wide the fuck open like they removed his heart and strung him out over the fucking pit. He's and, hanging over the pit by his legs and arms. Bro, I thought when I first was watching the scene, I thought they were gonna rip him apart limb by limb. That's what I thought Whoa. was gonna happen. And I was, I was a little let down that that's not what happened. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. I well, was like, oh my god, are they about to pull his arms and legs and whole body mm-hmm. apart? And his torso yeah. falls down to the center of this pit. That's what I was expecting. I didn't get that. Yeah. So not not it's not a negative to the movie. It's just what I thought was about to happen. Once they see Lepus, she starts like I mean crying, screaming, but she's screaming in another language. She's 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 talking to people language again. She's saying right? this is not what brothers do. Yes. Well, she says some other things, but she does. She says this is not what brothers do, and then you're like, oh fuck, oh fuck, because that tells you. But also, like, that tells me that, like, okay, so they know each other, and as wild and crazy as they could be, there is some kind of, like, etiquette amongst them. Yeah. And she's fussing them for breaking that etiquette with, with how they handle their brother. Um, but I think they probably knew that she was going to be pissed off at them. So I think that might have been why they didn't mutilate him further than what they did. Well, well she gets so mad and so fucking unruly. That she picks up a two by four and fucking knocks she out Wyndham. She spits in his face. Yeah, yeah. And he's she on curse, the ground. She crying. curses him. Yeah, she curses him. Spits at him. Blames him for the kid's dead. He's crying. He's just taking it. And, and then, she says, "Cry, she's like, cry, yeah. man. Without woman, you drown. We all and then drown." She my smacks favorite him over the head with the two by four. I found and that then, line. I f- that's your favorite line. Yeah, it's powerful. Wow. Oh, or with that board? Yeah, she's so mad, and she's like, mm-hmm. and, and, well, man, and he, without woman, and you drown." See, I found this it. line: the 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 woman without woman, you'll drown. Line, I found I found to be like, like it's the opposite message I thought the film was trying to present to me when I first heard it. Where it's like I thought they were both supposed to be there. I thought they were both supposed to be equal partner to the child. And when she says that to him and knocks him the fuck out and what we see happen in the later scenes, I'm like, this movie did not present to me what I thought it was trying to present. And if 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 the movie is saying all it takes is a woman to raise a child. To yeah, me- well, I, th- I think it's all maybe just in the context of of what their civilization is, what what right. the whole thing is about. I don't know if it's a commentary, but I also don't think it's necessarily strictly the context of the film i think this movie is trying to say a deeper thing i don't know what it's trying to say i don't think it's trying to say what i'm railing against but i but i uh, also don't think, i mean I, I i think it is saying what you think it's saying because of what happens a little later on in the movie i don't know though i don't know i don't based on other things the movie says i think it's like the failing of the fatherhood the failing of the men who choose to stick around or don't because she gave him the choice, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, 
Like, yeah. you, you, you choose to do up what until, you want up until, with this. You choose to do what you want with this information, but this is what's happening. And if a man gets so mad and, 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 and defiant and rails against everything that's his life is succumbing to in this pit, this metaphorical pit that he's in, he's gonna, he's gonna rail like a child. He's gonna be like a child. Like he was, he was a child. This movie might be a metaphor for, accepting fatherhood not necessarily how strong motherhood is this movie might be a metaphor for accepting fatherhood and accepting the responsibility of it and if you don't these this is what's going to happen to you you will be a desiccated corpse on the landscape when you don't choose to stand up and do the right thing from the start maybe maybe that's what maybe, it's saying. maybe. Yeah, and maybe there's going to be a bunch of little hoodlums running around with no yeah. daddies. Because the whole time, fucking Kuyon. Well, that Kuyon, does make sense Kuyon though. Like, because the whole if, time, what he said. If you leave the kids without a a a a father figure, this is how they'll turn out. Didn't is, he? Didn't he say, "Have you have you accepted yourself here, subject to a bunch of unruly children?" Blah blah blah. But he never yeah. he 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 didn't step up to be the man he should have been the man, not yeah. the boy. The man he claimed he was, but was he? But was I he? still I still like that line a lot. It's just a powerful line. Oh oh no, yeah, because no, yeah. then she wops him with that wood. But, it's a but powerful I think, line. <laughs> I, think, I think that's yeah. what's giving us our our conversation right here. Yeah, is that I line. think the commentary might be like the lack of fatherhood and the lack of stepping up, and how women do get stuck with that role if the men don't step up right? right and then here's here's the savage teenage boys in the desert left to their own devices because they didn't have somebody to guide them lead them and correct them as and necessary a, and a father figure a supposed one not doing the same thing like still acting like a child yes. still having to be told when to stop drinking still having to be have his, wa- his clothes washed the failure of the father to lead when necessary leaves leads to the death of his child or a child which would be lepus in the situation right so he failed as a father and that's where she basically that's where she trips out and she's like all right you're not you're not going to be a father so what on the head this is one right? interpretation of this movie. I would say. Yeah, we're, we're not even we're not even done with it yet. So right. I mean, it, it's it's just one potential interpretation. I didn't of, even, but I didn't even think about that even after the second watch. To be honest, about like the commentary on fatherhood, but it makes sense. This is it the makes way, sense. I, I guess I'll I'll try to save it, but I kind of gave it away. This is the the this is the ultimate takeaway I had of that movie. Yeah, was like the lack of fatherhood, the lack of. And the rejection almost of the, the man, the rejection of the masculine, the male, the, 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 the father in our society today. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong and people can say what they want and tell us about it. But I feel like that's what this movie was saying. It was well, I didn't, reje- I, I want to finish. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So good. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, um, let's finish the movie. Yeah. I want, I want to finish the movie because, because, yeah, because then I want to talk about like what I was talking. I think to Ricky about last night on on his character in this movie and and what his value actually is. Um, well, after Lepus and 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 Pit Lady knocks him out, you get the Harvest Moon. That's the next moon. He's in a cage now. Yeah. His mm-hmm. beard is grown. His hair is long. He's basically yeah, so, a savage animal. And I do want to point out that like 
the last harvest moon was maybe a month or two before they first had sex. So you know that he's been stuck in this bowl for at least a year. Over a year. I do want to just point that out. As far as the passage of time is concerned, this is the second harvest moon in the movie. He's been in the bowl a year, and so he's who been knows? In... Who knows yeah. how long he's been in old Debo's pigeon coop? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I forgot uh, but... about that line. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, uh, shit. So, yeah, his hair is long. He's dirty as fuck. He's eating slop out of a bucket, right? He's eating, like, um, mashed potato gravy. <laughs> That's what yeah, he's yeah. Not, it's like, it's like, like if you let the potato salad sit too long and the water comes up, that's what he's eating. Yeah. But he does have his watch on, so he checks his watch for the time, but then he starts, like, rocking back and forth, whispering to himself, looking fucking deranged. Mm-hmm. Um, But then he sees a woman on the cliff's edge. There's this hiker girl, and she's like... This hiker girl. Huh? He's like, get help, get help, get help. And she's like, what? And he's like, oh, shut up, get help. Get the police. And she's like, okay, I'm gonna go get help. And she leaves. And then you see the woman come out of the house. It cuts to a little bit later, right? So a little bit of time has passed. And you see the woman, she's big and pregnant, right? And she's dragging this wood to the edge of the yard. She's doing like just God- dragging these she's, sticks, right? She's doing the goddamn thing, right? Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and, I, and like, so I just put like firewood question mark, and then that's when it cuts to the next scene, which is the the teenage boys find the hiker woman, yeah, and drag her to the edge, and like one of them's eating a bag of fucking like pork rinds or chips or something, some funyuns, like, boy. I like the fact that yeah, never stops eating them chips, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he never stops eating those chips. And they just kill her on the edge of the rocks. They Fucking, strang- they strangle her ass. Yep, they strangle her ass, and, and then they laugh is, about it and high five. Wyndham is going crazy in his cage. Yes. He is going great, and I can't emphasize this enough. My brother Bielo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, crazy, crazy. If you have not seen this movie and you don't know what we're saying at this point, you need to go watch this movie to see the performance for real. Happening right now because my yeah, boy so, is going ape shit. Yeah, and, and I, then, oh, yeah. I write it down. Like he trips the fuck out, and the woman ignores it the entire time. This big pregnant woman just keeps on ignoring him, like he ain't shit. Yeah, and he's ba- he's like he's yelling, he's barking like a dog, he's banging on the cage with his slop bucket, like he's kicking the wall, making the tin it's his like shudder. It, it's a shit bucket, dude. He's throwing his shit against the fucking. Oh yeah, cage. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's what I and saw. Then, I was like, oh my yeah. God, this is nasty. Yeah. And then it cuts to the next scene and all the teenage boys are in the canyon. It's nighttime or like about to be nighttime. And like you just see what 20 of them, maybe? It's the desert folk ritual ball. Yeah. And this one, like the youngest one, like walks up to the cage and hands them this peach. And he just like devours the peach right there. And I'm like, is this like one last little goodie? Yeah, before before the shit goes down, like I'm curious what the the peach signifies because it's got to mean something, right? It's got to um, be the last little goodie. It's like it's got to maybe, be the last I don't, little thing. I yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's something there though that I don't, that I didn't get. So I'm gonna be curious to try to figure that out. And then now this is when like the ritual begins, right? <laughs> you see, you see the pregnant lady put some leaves on her eyes. Uh, the fire gets lit. There's lots of primal screaming. There's like a, a ceremony or something along those lines, right? 
she has each one of the the the, the teenage boys comes and like drinks from her breast because she's lactating, um, and they do so with like a reverence, right? Yeah, like yeah. they they revere her, and it is a a privilege to be drinking from her tea, right? And then that's when you see like the sheets over her head, and yeah, and the, then once you see, and, and then and then <laughs> and then you see a big necklace of dicks, bro. Just <laughs> bro, and and, and and so it happens so fast. A chain and, of the past, and I was like, I was like, is what is that a necklace of? I was like. Is that a necklace of dicks? And then at this point, this is where I, I realized that Ricky is no longer in Zoom. And I find out yeah. his power went out again. So I'm like, fuck. So I rewind it to the necklace of dicks because I'm like, Ricky, what do you remember last? And he's like, the necklace of dicks, maybe? I'm like, all right, cool. So I found where the necklace of dick was, paused it, waited for Ricky to join. Uh, but then Ricky couldn't join because his power never came back on. So that's when I had to swap to my cell phone to get him to watch the rest of the movie. But as it was paused, I was like, those are, <laughs> those, those are some fucking dicks. And like the reason it looks weird is because some of those dicks are rotten and don't quite right. look like dicks. Yeah. Right. So like, which I thought was a cool touch because it's like you have the fresher dicks and the older dicks that are not as <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So I was like, Oh shit. That's like, wow. That's, that's interesting. So that she has her, her, she's over her head. And she she consoles the brothers too. Like she doesn't just feed them. Like she kind of like hugs them, right? Like oh, like my boy, kind of. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. Yep. But then you see blood running down the sheet while it's on her head, and I was like, what What does that signify? I don't. Maybe it's just part of the ritual. It's right? part of the ritual. Like a sacrificial blood, yeah. uh, cleansing cleansing her maybe or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. They have a cutscene to the next morning, and he's back in the cage. That that's this. I love this. This is when he's like, yeah. she goes to give him a blanket, and he's like, "What the fuck is this shit?" And she tells him basically, like, "Once this baby is born, you're done. Like, you're done." Mm-hmm. Here, here's that quote that I said at the beginning of the episode, right? Where he tries to bargain with her. Well, yeah. At first, he's trying to be like, yeah. I- "I'm part of here. I accept it now." He's trying to, yeah. He- this, he says, this he, like, I, I, will, I will be the father. You will have more. We can be a family, a real family. This um, is him trying to bargain with the kid about fucking physics at this point. Like, he's trying yeah. to just get his way out. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, I can be, you could be my queen and I can be your king. And he's like, oh, wait, no. Like, I could be your slave. Like, I will give myself to you. My heart, my soul, every molecule in my body, I will give to you and, your, and our children. We can have more children. And then she's like, no, there is no choice. There never, never was a choice. Never you, never, a choice. You, you never had a choice. He's, she's basically like the desert doesn't waste anything. Yes. Which well, he well, do, does, though, by the well, way. He, it, it does waste he, it. it. Well, he, he asked her, well, then, then what? If you, don't, if you don't need me to raise a child, then what? Well, he's, he starts screaming to her, you well, kill, well, kill me? Or kill or, or free me or kill me. But I think she tells him she's basically like, I don't I don't need you to be the father. You're just the seed. Like I will love this child. I will raise this child. And eventually this child will be mother like me. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines, right? Th- 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 so, those are right. I don't remember the seed line, but yeah, th- those are right. Yeah. So basically she says she's like, You're not important. 
I'm the one that's going to educate this kid. I'm the one that's going to raise this kid. And eventually this kid will take my place. And this is where you're like, oh, fuck. Like, she was this kid at some point. She wasn't always mother. She was the child that was being raised to be the next mother, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you do kind of notice that, like, all the all the kids up top, most of them are boys. I think there might be, like, one little girl, maybe. Yeah, but, there's, like, there's, like, one. Yeah, but most of them of. most of them are boys, right? Yeah. Um, but so she gives him this quote, and I'm like, holy shit. I was like, that's kind of an epic quote, right? Because she's basically just saying, I, I don't need you. I'm going to do this, yeah. and this kid will be fine. This kid will turn out like me. And when she um, starts having the baby and he's locked in that cage, she starts freaking the fuck out. And this is when she goes to get him and she's like, oh, my God, help me, help me. And he gets the choice between helping her and escaping on that ladder. And he right. freezes. He freezes in between the choice. He's like he, he's going to the ladder, but then he hears the baby crying and he stops and he turns around and he sees her with the baby. And he goes back to his fucking pit lady with the baby. And he's mm-hmm. like, this is my child. He takes the child from her, kisses it. He loves it. He thinks, I guess in his mind, like, this is my new life now. He, he finally the- accepts it. He finally he, accepts it. He and- does. He hands the baby back over to her. And she's like, I will love this child. I will raise this child. I will teach this child. And you have served your purpose. Yep, and next slash, and cosmic yep. sperm scene. I, and I thought it was funny because like he was running to the ladder. I'm like, what you gonna do? Fight all these teenage boys that you couldn't beat at the top? Yeah, at like you, you were never getting out of there. Mm-mm. I thought it was cool that like at the last second, I guess he he chose to take care of his kid. You know, it didn't save yeah. him though. You get the Beaver yeah. Moon title card. And then yes. the, pit, the pit lady is taking care of the the, the little girl. It turns so out that they're, they're folding child, all the clothes, putting them she, back in so the chest. She she folds yeah. all his clothes nicely, wraps his belt up in a circle, and takes his camera and puts it in that fucking blue chest of what I'm assuming is a bunch of men's clothes from all of her her uh, sperm, sperm donors. Yeah, and yep. this is where the movie climbs out of its fucking pit. And it leaves us with its title card. Its title card sequence, which is dope as fuck, with this fucking folk song that's playing at the end. And they show his body, like oh god, the, de- the decomposed, the the just the, sitting there in the same spot. They literally slit his throat and left him right there. The desecrated father corpse, just fucking yeah. rotting they away. Should have ate him. Well, I thought they would. I thought they would like, too. Did thought, nothing thought, in the desert goes to waste. Yeah. And I'm like, but, but okay, then, well, I but guess then, not. But, but I mean, his body can also just be nutrients for the soil to plant more shit. So that's sure. also true. That sounds but less just, fun than eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I told, no. I told Ricky, I was like, so like you're gonna take all his clothes, but you're not gonna take like his boots off his feet because like that's that's kind of useful to have in the desert, like walking boots. Yeah. You know? Fuck it. Yeah, like true. I get, I get, I get. If you don't want to take the clothes because it's got blood on it because you sliced his neck, but like you keep the boots. Man, like, why are we wasting cut, shit, bro? Cut, cut them clothes up, man. That's a good yeah. rag, bro. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm like, outside I'm like, I'm like you, you sit here, dirty. yeah, you, you sit here, you saying there's nothing wasting the desert. You wasted a perfectly good pair of boots right there. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. You wasted a perfectly good purse. Uh, 
<laughs> perfectly. You wasted a perfectly. Shut a up, person. man. <laughs> are we are we talking like a Louis Vuitton purse or? <laughs> you wasted a perfectly good, a perfectly good corpse of a person. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, you're good. Damn. <laughs> seating 2024 y'all oh my lords we came out of that I, I, well i'm digging myself out the trenches of that movie i'm wild, gonna watch it again wild and bedowed uh <laughs> let's let's do some final thoughts and ratings um i'll say this movie has beautiful cinematography a great score great performances we say this every time but good lord this movie's full of it uh, we talked about enough of it during our, our midnight ritual, so I'm going to leave it short and sweet. There there, there are some moments in this movie that, that do actually leave me questioning what the movie's about. I feel like this movie is about a lack of fatherhood, a lack of men stepping up to the plate to take care of their children. That's kind of what I get out of this movie, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. If that's not the intent but that's what I got out of two watches of this movie and if I have to rate this movie as a 2024 straight out the gate 10 out of 10 as far as philosophically I I can't come up with anything better than what you guys have I I, I love it regardless I don't care what it what it's trying to say or what it wants to say it's it's just beautiful to look at listen to the performances are dope. It's scary as fuck. And it makes me want to look at the desert a lot more in person. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to go see the desert. I've never seen one. So, yeah, this movie is a 10 out of 10. Well, yeah. So, I mean, if if you didn't hear, like, the wet, slurping, slightly gagging noises coming out of me for the entire description of this movie... <laughs> I mean, it's it's a fucking 10. Everything that needed to be said was said. Iconic imagery, sound design, story, acting, plot of the story. Um, As far as, like, the social commentary, I mean, I, I think it makes sense that it's a, it's a commentary about, like, the fatherhood or just, I guess, the choices that not being a father can can lead up to and make or leave others to, to pick up the slack, like just being a single mom maybe, you know? But like, I kind of talked to Ricky about this, and, and I'm not as convicted in, in the thought, but I thought it was an interesting idea. It was just that, like, even though he's the focal point of the movie and, like, he's the one trying to get out and everything, like, what if, he, like, the movie's just not actually about him? It's it's about her and, and the cycle and process of the seating, and he just happens to be the latest uh, victim of that process. So while we're watching the movie and 
we're focused on him because it's showing us him and his point of view and, and his struggle. None of that really matters because the real story is her and the boys and the desert and the seating and the process. Could definitely be it, bro. So and, and I'm I'm not saying that is it, but I thought that was an interesting idea because yeah, the end of the movie he did not fucking matter. No, he was there. He did what they wanted him to do. He never had a choice. There was never any other option. It was all a foregone conclusion. So he didn't matter. He was cosmic. It's, <laughs> it's, all, it's all just cosmic. His whole existence was cosmic as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Well, as soon as. As soon as he was in the canyon, it was just pure, you know, cosmic As soon as shit. he decided to go look at he, a goddamn eclipse look, ball. Look, think oh. about it. He he railed against against it, right? He he railed against all of it. Mm-hmm. He cursed and he screamed and he cried and he begged God. And at the end of the day, none of it even mattered. <laughs> cosmic <Damn>. as fuck. <laughs> Trev. Cosmic, cosmic tin. It's a cosmic tin, huh? It's a cosmic uh, tin. I'm 3-6 Rick, and I said you better watch this motherfucking movie. Embrace the seating. Embrace your fate in the pit. Embrace knowing that this woman is going to take care of you. And if you don't live up to your fucking expectation, you're going to decasicate and die in the pit. <laughs> you're going to... Decasicate ain't a word, but I'm making decasicate, it up. Decasicate, Bob. You're gonna decasicate. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna be a corpse. Fuck you, you dumb bitch. <laughs> My name's Trevor, and uh, fuck some weird, strange kids in the desert that look at you strangely and, and pour out all your water, bro. Just call the cops. Hey, you ain't gotta, you ain't gotta be a hero. Call the cops. Hey, I, I agree. I agree. And also. Don't wait till you're locked up in Devo's pigeon coop to start throwing a fit, all right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stay spooky and stay hydrating, because when you're out in the desert, you never know what pit you're going to end up in, cuz.
I'm going to get a drink. Okay. Just FY. Can you still hear us? FY. No, no, I can't, but go ahead. Okay. No, no. Well, I'll, I'll okay. we'll wait. Edit. No. Edit. 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 What are you talking about? Edit. 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 Okay. Edit. Okay, I'm done. Um. Edit.